You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. Welcome to the GGTMC and a episode that has been long in the coming. We were just talking with this individual off the air, and now we're going to talk with her on the air, a longtime supporter of the show, Demise. Uh, I guess we'll call you Demise for the show. We, we know you as something you else. Are. Yeah. <laughs> we know you as something else as well, but longtime friend, longtime, you know, part of the uh, old Cinema Diabolica community that uh, looks like it's making a comeback. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stuff, but uh, so there you go. We got demise on the show. Large William across the border. Me. It's going to be a good show, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that this should be a fun review. Now, demise picked uh, a film that I have reviewed on the show before. Now, Will has not, but we did a bonus episode, which uh, she just reminded me in 2010. Uh, which God, seems like- I can't believe it's been four years. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, uh, bonus episode six, Night Beast, me and Miles and uh, Rupert did a uh, review of that. Just one night, we kind of decided to get together and just kind of go for it, kind of give her, brah. And, yeah, you uh, can actually you can actually go on iTunes and scroll down to old episodes, and it's still on there. Yeah, iTunes yeah. must hold a lot more than it used to because it used to only go back like fifty episodes or something. Yeah, I think I think so it, it's there. It's always held all of ours for some reason, so I'm happy yeah. about that. Ours, our whole archive's out there, so. Yeah, so so those of you who like go back and listen. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> with Ilias and Rupert. Rust. Yeah, you can yeah. <laughs> you can actually hear Will and I. The Will, I think it's like maybe six or seven episodes, but you can hear us both pre pre actual parents. So it's very That's interesting. Right. <laughs> you were sick that time too, I think. Yeah. Well, for the bonus episode, Will Will was. I don't I know if he was. was. I think we. I think that's what you guys said at the beginning, but I don't. Oh, remember. maybe yeah, maybe we did. Maybe we did. That was like I one of the. I, well, yeah, it would have been ironic. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I'll tell you guys just to pull back the curtain for everyone. I we were recording a few minutes later. I'm sick right now. Um, I got a stomach bug. It's it's not fun, and uh, I'm, I'm abstaining from cereal. And I'm just having a tea. And uh, <gasps> I remember thinking to myself last night, as much as this this film's a trivia question for the TGTMC. You know, the only film to be reviewed twice. I thought, man, I can't let this motherfucker elude me twice. 
<laughs> oh, and it's been it. it's been horrid because about a year ago, I even went through Diabolic DVD and found the Beast Boobs and Blood, yeah, uh-huh. and had them ship it to you because you hadn't seen it, and it was bugging the crap out of me that you hadn't seen it, and it got lost or something. I think I put something down as the wrong uh, con- um. I put Ontario in the wrong spot or something else in there. And so it never showed up and never showed oh, up. And so it's just yeah, been one of those things. It's a bummer. That's a, good, I, that's a great doc, by the way. You got to see that. Oh, yeah. I, I do have to say, too, if we may, since Sandy's on the show with us here, Sandy's actually part of our show weekly, we should say. Yeah. Because, and I'm looking at it right now, and I'm sure Sandy knows what I'm talking about, and I know Sammy definitely knows what I'm talking about. I got my, my tea and, and, of course, the finest coffee mug in the land. <laughs> Yeah. The great mustaches cup, which we both posted our, our great mustaches cup on the uh, yeah. on the group a few times, and she was actually the the one who gave us those. That uh, yeah. you know, she gives us our uh, she gives our the two audio Popeyes their spinach each week. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, you can't do these things, any of these things, without a huge load of caffeine right off the bat. Amen, sister. I love I love, I love being called an audio Popeye, and I've never been called that. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's a great nickname. <laughs> oh, that's going to kick off some amazing pictures on the Facebooks. Oh, boy. oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I like some Photoshop photos of you know me and Will and our Papa arms. And yep. <laughs> and your cup of Joe. No, no anchors on the uh, tattooed arms though. We got to have you know. No old school anchors on the forearm. <laughs> no old school anchors. We need some uh, GGTMC elements on there. There you go. I'll leave that up to our very creative community to come up with some stuff. That's right. It'll only be a matter of time now. Once this is released, it'll only be a matter of time. Just a matter of time. <laughs> yep. So then I'll get off here and I'll watch some online clips later and shiver my timber. Anyway. <laughs> too, too much info. Look, Shelly Duvall up in this piece. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we are doing Night Beast uh, 1982. Uh, yeah, 82. No. 82, yeah. That's 13. <laughs> I yeah, I was uh, I was uh, nine. So yeah, and yeah, William was very uh, very young. He, so. Yeah, he still had the pacifier probably. Yeah. I did. He's a youngin. Yeah, yeah. Dipped in J and B. That's right. <laughs> but uh, Don, uh, Don Dohler, uh, very uh, I'd say very not infamous, but uh, well respected, low budget filmmaker out of uh, I believe Baltimore area. Yeah. And uh, again, check out the uh, what the doc uh, Sandy mentioned a little while ago, blood boobs and and beast or whatever it's called. But it's easy to find. Uh, well, it's not easy to find, but I know it's out there because uh, it's very popular. But Don Dover is a really cool interview and a good guy, and you can just tell it's a guy that loves movies. But we'll get into that a little bit more here in just a bit. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching. Now, we always defer to the guest. So uh, Sandy, what have you been up to lately? Oh, let's see. Um, but, well, before we go too far, one of the last things I listened to, because I'm trying to play catch up, uh, A Simple Plan, your guys' episode oh, with that? Oh, yeah. That was fantastic. Oh, That's at, easily one of my favorite Paxton and even probably my, just about my favorite Billy Bob Thornton piece. Nice. And that's one of those ones that you kind of go into thinking, oh, here's your typical heist movie or here's your typical things are going to go wrong movie. Mm-hmm. And you guys nailed it with the relationships. I was, I was, you know, listening to the whole thing, going, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and and you start out really thinking, okay, here's the good guy brother who's going to do all these things, and he's trying to have a normal life and do the right thing. And there's this um, other brother who you're like, oh god, I know that kind of person. He's just going to cause nothing but trouble. And the way it 
switches around as far as who you're rooting for and all those kinds of things. You guys really kind of brought some stuff home that I hadn't thought about before. And I, I just, I just want to say that that was a great review. Really, really appreciated that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was also going to mention the other one we talked about reviewing was severance. And if you haven't seen severance, you've got to see it. Yes, I agree. It's a good one. Yeah. It's one of those ones. that's very subtle, just little things. And I think the, the best example in the movie is the bear. Yeah, <laughs> that that's a, a moment that can be spoiled. So I'm just going to, you know, kind of leave it there. But but it's one of those movies that just everything about it, you're like, oh, oh, you know, and they were just talking about there. They were just doing this or they were just. And so it all comes around. And I just think it's a must watch. And their other movie, Doghouse, is pretty good, too. Nice. That that guy does. So uh, recent watches. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on any of them because most of them were rewatches. Um, last weekend, I went kind of on a tear and I watched Zodiac. Again, um, nice. the postman. Um, the Kevin, see. The Kevin Costner film. Yeah, you know, and I, I didn't like it the first time. Yeah, I, the, other than some like crazy um, uh, kind of propaganda, some American yeah, yeah. Yahoo propaganda towards. But I, I do like that film, and a lot of people think a lot of people haven't seen it, but I do like that movie. Yeah, and it's a long watch. I had to pause it a little bit, you know, in the middle because I was I was doing other stuff. Yeah, it's a long film. And, and I came in partway into it because it just happened to be – I think I flipped onto Encore, which caused a lot of this go back. <laughs> and it was a little ways into it. And so when it was over, Troy and I were thinking, well, what, wait, how, what started the whole thing? So it came on again. So we watched the first – they don't really tell you or we missed it. I don't think they told you what happened. No. I like it's... what – I think it's one of those ones that just kind of pops into the afterlife yeah. there. and It's a bit of a mess, but – Yeah. But it's still, I think it was, it, it's a lot better done than I gave it credit for in the beginning. So, um, let's see. Zodiac's given, um, Escape Plan, which was a little better than I thought it would be. Nice. Um, I, I was really thinking it would just be old Arnold Schwarzenegger and old Stallone, but it was actually pretty good. And, and it was pretty by the numbers, though, especially right. how it ended and everything. It's, you know, it was very, okay, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And Troy even said something passing through the living room. And I was like, yeah, I know. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how it's going to end. Um, let's see. <laughs> and then for uh, the movie set that Troy got me for the holidays, which is just my – it's its my gold. Nobody touches it. Nobody looks at it funny. But <laughs> I pulled out Dr. Zhivago because I don't think I've ever watched the whole thing. Nice. And I thought it was going to be more like Zulu or, you know – Maybe even the Alamo. I just thought it was going to be more of this epic fights upon the snow. You know, I don't know if it's the imagery I remember from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always never, I've never been a huge fan of the lead. Um, why am I blanking on his name? All Omar Sharif. Thank you, Omar. He's got a weird voice. You know, <laughs> he does. So and, he, and he has a he very, doesn't come in with the John Wayne. Or he has a know. he has a uh, night beast grill too. There yeah, you go. A fine mustache though. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, he, he has a stash. <laughs> And it was a pretty good education on some of the Bolshevik stuff and things like that that I really didn't think about much. And it it uh, it didn't blow me away, but it was pretty good. I you know I was just like, wow, it just wasn't what I thought it was. You know, the whole romance story, the the aging of everybody as they go through all these different things, and how it really centers on the for the people versus you know for the individual. And that one guy is like. I'm the people too. And I'm like, yeah, you tell them. You know? yeah, so it was, yeah. it's a pretty good movie. It was pretty good. The lead was gorgeous. And both women were gorgeous. And I, you know, but I believe it's uh, Julie Christie. Maybe? Julie Christie. She yeah. was. Dying. Yeah. 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 
Um, let's see. What else? I got to go through these a little bit faster, I think. Uh, the Iceman. Oh, yeah. Um, ever since Shotgun Stories, huge fan of Michael Shannon. Um, the Iceman, um, again, not great, but I was just, it's a story I never knew. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an amazing story of, you know, the guy has no emotion, no empathy, no nothing, but yet he's a family man. Yeah, I know. It's very strange. Yeah, and this this isn't the one that The Sopranos was based on, is it? This guy? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I know he was based on somebody in real life, The mm. Sopranos were, but yeah, this guy's a lot different than Tony Soprano, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, especially the first scene where you realize where he's going to go mm. when he gets out of the car and goes talk to that guy and... You know, Ray Liotta's like, do this and do that. And I don't want to spoil anything. For, I, I know it's a true story, but, you know, that first bit. Um, I was recommended to watch The Hunt, which was really fantastic and disturbing. Nice. Um, the, uh, I'm terrible with names, so you're going to have to forgive me. I'm great with faces. Thank you. <laughs> the same guy that's in The Hannibal, and he's in that other um, another movie you guys covered. Uh, he's been in a few movies we've done. He's been yeah. in the Pusher Trilogy. <laughs> he was in Valhalla The Pusher Trilogy, Rising. yeah. Yeah, Valhalla Rising. Our favorites. Valhalla Rising. Pushes. He's the lead in Valhalla Rising, isn't he? <clears throat> yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Speaks, so, no, speaks no dialogue to the whole film, I believe. They call yeah. him one eye. <laughs> yeah, they definitely call yeah. him one <laughs> <laughs> He In that one, he's just just the acting and everything. And you can totally see, and guys get a bad rap when it comes to this kind of stuff you're a decent guy, you're around kids and the wrong thing happens and it's over. You know, it's, it's done. And, and no matter how obviously innocent or not innocent you might look, it's never going to be the same. Yeah. And uh, that movie plays it out perfectly. That's right. That's very true. Sandy. It's the- yeah. I was a little bit interested about the ending and I won't go into that, but it, I could go into that off the air if you've seen it, but um, the way it ends is, you know, worth talking about. I, I think I just, yeah. uh, I think I'm about 20 minutes into that. That's what something I started this past week and uh, haven't finished. So I'm looking forward to it, though, because the first 20 minutes is very good. Oh, yeah. I'd like to hear what you think once it's over. Um, last stand, more old Schwarzenegger. But yeah. I, I I get a real kick out of Jackass guy. Um, <laughs> and it. And it was funny. Yeah, jackass guy. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville. Jackass guy. Knoxville. <laughs> well, I don't know why he's one of those ones that shouldn't be, but he's attractive. Well, you I, know, my husband's like, do you know he is just beat so to hell? Yeah, I, I think he's just something about him. I don't know. My wife likes him, too. Yeah. yeah. See, she's got good taste. There you go. She does. She married me. That's true. Uh, our, <laughs> my husband uh, took me out for Valentine's Day, and uh, he kept saying, well, what should we watch? Should we watch this one or that one? And, and there's that new Colin Farrell one out that's like, ugh. Mm. It, it looks horrible. Winter's Tale. And yeah. we're like, no, not going to do that. And then this trailer came on and I said, that's a Valentine's Day movie. And we went and saw Robocop. Nice. <laughs> You're so GGTMC, Sandy. <laughs> so much. <laughs> I, I just, it was great, too. It really was. I, I got all those giggly moments where you see the old stuff. And uh, I was really hyped up for it because we had just watched a Jon Stewart interview of the lead. Um, and the first thing the guy says when he comes out is just a single syllable. It's like, yes or no, I forget what. But he sounded exactly like the original RoboCop. So I was just all giddy and squee right up until it started. So, mm-hmm. And I, it wasn't disappointing. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it at all. I have not. Nope, I have not. No, no. I don't, I don't think it's like like Dread. You know, everybody's like, ah, about Dread. But it's good. Yeah. They didn't. I don't think they disappointed. I mean, it still could have been rated R and a lot more violent because there's a lot more tasers in this than there is blood. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But other than that, it's more on the kind of sort of Orwellian society than the, the satirical kind of violence. Yeah. 
and it really jumps around. It takes advantage of um, Gary Oldman, who's fantastic in it, by the way, um, takes advantage of, well, this isn't working, so let's tweak his brain here and his chemistry there and kind of just jumps. And you're like, well, that's too easy of a solution, you know, that kind of thing. But it was really well done considering it's a remake. And I think I'm kind of over the remake. I don't get mad at remakes, but now I've kind of seen that, I don't know, I'm to the point now where if it's a good enough remake, you don't even really think about it as a remake anymore. Does it make sense? You don't yeah. go, oh, I'm uh, watching a remake in the middle of it. For people that have that zen-like quality to get past, I'm still bitter about remakes, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't uh, they don't really bother me. Um, I mean, something like RoboCop, you make something that is like such a pop culture statement as RoboCop, it's easy to see why people get upset. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like if somebody remade Star Wars, you know, it's like RoboCop is like as seminal to me as something like that. So I can see. It's like, shut your mouth, Sammy. Yeah. Stop putting that out there. <laughs> so I can see where, you know, something like that, you know. I mean, I, yeah. I, I am a firm believer that they probably should try to remake more films that failed the first time around, but I do also understand it's a business, and, uh, you know, they feel like they can get a franchise out of RoboCop and make a billion dollars, they're going to go for it. And true. So, I guess Very that's, true. this is the way it is. I mean, obviously, like most remakes, they never can, you know, well, I don't know if they never can, because I have seen remakes I like more, believe it or not, but... Uh, I won't go into that here. <laughs> <laughs> a remake episode? Yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple of uh, – real quick. I know I'm dragging this out. Cool Hand Luke was a great nice. rewatch. I haven't watched that since I was a kid. There's so much that I don't remember. The cast was really surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe dear Mr. who just recently passed away, Mr. Walton, the Waltons. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's in there. He was in there. Um, we get a lot of singing from um, – oh, terrible. Harry, the, D- Harry Dean Stanton? Thank you, Harry Dean. <laughs> Harry Dean does a lot of singing, yeah. and that's awesome. And and Newman does a singing too, which I was really surprised at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, in my postman Shivago, I went into company business, hmm. which is Gene Hackman and Mikhail Brishnikov. Oh, I've never seen that. I haven't that's looked right. at the dates. It's really good. It's really good. I think it, I'm betting because I think White Knights was Mikhail's first. Yeah, I was just going to say that's the film I know him from. Yeah, and he's dancing in it. Yeah, um, this one he doesn't do any dancing. There's no dancing, oh. um, but it's straight up, you know, Russia espionage kind of thing, and it's really good. It's it's uh, there's a neck moment though that gets played over and over, just cracks me the hell up. But the rest of it was just it's good intrigue. It's a good one to watch. Hackman's great. Mikkel is great. Um, but I think it was their attempt to follow up his his success in White Knights. Mm-hmm. But don't hold me to that because I haven't looked up the dates or anything. Yeah, they really gave him a push for a while there. So yeah, you know, and White Knights did it for him. But if it, you know, but then that was, that was it. it. It was his flash in the pan, so to speak. And then the last one was Rush, which is really really good. Um, as far as race car movies go, too, it's probably one of my absolute favorites. Uh, the only thing is the guy's accent grated on me. Which oh, one? So uh, much. Nikki Laura. Oh, my gosh. And, and that guy, you know, does great accents because, you know, he was in Glorious Bastards and, and some of these other ones where he was fantastic. Yeah. And, and his voice in that was just, oh, but the rest of it was a fantastic movie, you know, and a story I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, but, Formula One racing is not really huge here in the States, so. No. Europe, it's, yeah, it's huge, man. Yeah. No, it's on NASCAR here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is on NASCAR. You're right. <laughs> the accents are grating in a different way. 
<laughs> so that's my list. That was nice. probably longer than I intended, and I apologize for that. But it's all right. Large William, what have you been up to there, buddy? Um, I've left my ice cream book in my car, which is at my in-laws' house. It might. Took- it may melt. Yeah, yeah, it's actually it's gonna fucking freeze up even more. Yeah, I was oh, gonna yeah. say that's brutal, man. Um, so luckily, because of technology, I keep things uh, on Facebook. I have a note on my wall that I put every film in as well. I had a pretty good week, you know. It's still deep in the throes of cram. I did post Tenebrous Lux, Carlos Regatus's film. It's on Instant. Uh, his film Silent Light is one of my favorite films I've seen in the past decade. It's really kind of elusive and mysterious and poetic and. Um, yeah, it's really fantastic, but it's not for everyone. But this film, I can confidently say that um, for people cramming, I would say maybe 20% of the people that cram that watch it are going to like it. <laughs> the 80% are going to hate it. Um, I, I fell into the like category. Yeah, yeah. You know, but his stuff works for me. I, I think, you know, it, it comes down to the thing of art being subjective, right? And right, right. Some of the stuff he's going for, I just, I feel like he... he nails it better than uh, some people would but and I think it's a fair criticism right because it's he's a, he's a very 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 esoteric filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, then I did the butler Lee Daniels um, Lee Daniels has a good track record in the top 30 for me because his last two films have made my top 15 the uh, precious made my number 10 and and um, paperboy was in my top 15 I think last year the year before so yeah even though the butler seemed like very vanilla fair to me um, no pun intended. Uh, very, very, uh, seemed like a, seemed very Oscar Beatty. It did seem very Oscar Beatty. I figured I owed it to Mr. Daniels to check it out. Um, I'm glad I did. I'll be forthright in saying it won't make my list. Right. Um, it is a very by the numbers kind of vanilla film. But in saying that, it's well done vanilla. Um, everyone's good in it. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr., she, he, he's decided to, to stop cashing, you know, shit film checks for five minutes and. <laughs> Well, actually act again and yeah. reminds me that he's a good actor and Lenny Kravitz is good in a small role and until the know, like, uh, until the five made for DVD movies he filmed last month come out next right. year oh man he's terrible for that and it's a shame because he is talented he must have he must have money issues I mean that, he must that's usually a sign that an actor or an actress has money problems or he's got I think he even I think he has like a few ex-wives so maybe he's yeah yeah i found an article about him not too long ago or something that talked about that and i'll I'll see if i can find it again but yeah there was something going on with him that that kind of made him drop off the radar because if he had have had a good agent and had to restrain was good with his money he's he's a good actor man he really is he's got charisma yeah too bad the the butler if you want to watch something kind of vanilla with the family it's a good one and there's some important stuff in there and it it kind of speeds through stuff a little bit because it's spanning this butler who was a president for, or excuse me, was a butler during eight presidents' terms. I'll tell you who's great in the film. Alan Rickman plays Ronald Reagan. He's fantastic. Nice. nice. He's really good nice. as, uh, as Ronnie. So, yeah, it's a good one. Um, then I did Rush also with Nikki Lauda and you know, James Hunt. And Thor. Good. And Thor. You got Thor and Mickey Lauda. Thor, yeah. <laughs> Thor and, and the, yeah, exactly. But it's, uh, yeah, I could totally see what Sandy makes. It took me a few minutes to warm up to Lauda's accent because he's, the way he speaks, it's very short and sharp yeah. with his words. <laughs> <laughs> I want Sammy, if we talk one on the top 30, to, to talk like Nicky Lauda for a bit. But I will. If, I'm, I'm going to try to get it in before the, uh, we still got uh, about three weeks, about, uh, well, about two weeks, really. We <laughs> got two weeks, bro. Yeah, two weeks. So yeah. uh, it is on the list. It's on the docket. But yeah, man, those slots are getting small. It's, you it's guys tough. are hardcore to fit that stuff in there, man. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been it's been yeah a long time coming. But a Rush, 
I got to give it up to Ronnie Howard. Everyone's talking about the old man who makes an exciting film with uh, Marty Scorsese with Wolf of Wall Street, but this is Ronnie Howard making something pretty exciting, which I can't really say too much. He's not really my kind of filmmaker usually, but yeah. you know, he made a good film. Nice. Um, and I did the documentary Leviathan, which is kind of like a fly on the wall look at some deep sea fishermen in the North Atlantic. Also, I was going to say that's not. I don't remember it being a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leviathan is also not for everybody, from what I understand. I fucking hated it. <laughs> oh, I'm not being coy. I fucking hated it. I really appreciated what they were going for. Yeah, and I I think like everyone talks about gravity being like the immersive film theater going experience this year. I think if you were in the right state of mind. And you were in the theater, you could kind of get immersed in this. Mm-hmm. And I could tell, like, five minutes in, this just was not working for me. So, you know, gave it the old college try. That's the way yeah, it goes. Yeah. Uh, then I did Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, on Instant. Nice. <laughs> uh, that's that's a good documentary. It really is. Really good. I, I think anyone who listens to our show, or even their wives, I mean, would probably appreciate it. There's, there's a lot being said in there about... Yeah, about the business and uh, the women. It's a, it's a good documentary. It moves at a good pace. So, yeah, I only had a few more documentaries to cram. And I was uh, I was surprised how emotional I got with that one. Yeah, it's it is pretty poignant. The stuff with Mount Fuji and um, yeah. it was nice to see these girls go back. You know, see them reminisce and stuff. And man, it's crazy. It's a shame that some of that footage uh, from Glow hasn't been kept in better shape. It's yeah, it's nice to see a wrestling story that doesn't get too dark. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> right. usually they go down some dark roads. Mm-hmm. Someone's, you know, killing themselves or killing someone else in a hotel room. And Although dark, the, dark stuff. the dislocated elbow still gives, makes me ground my teeth. I got to tell you, man, I got queasy. I couldn't look at that on the replay. Oh, I couldn't that either. horrible. Oh. It's so gross. It looks like, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but, some, man, some of those girls, I hadn't seen them since I was a kid. I forgot how foxy they were. Yeah. Dynamite. Um, then I did uh, one of my most anticipated documentaries for the year. Uh, and I'm not being coy, not that it's not very, very good, but it's been a fine year for film. Muscle Shoals. It's definitely worth a cram. It, it is really good, man. Yeah, it's on my list, too. That Tim Timmer has been uh, pushing that one on me, and it's been on my list since back then. But I haven't what got was that again? Muscle Shoals. It's uh, it's about the Fame Studio and the Muscle. The uh, I can't remember the other studio. The Muscle. It was actually called Muscle Shoals Studio, but the studios in Alabama that uh, they had a sound. They had a time where you know through the the sixties and seventies they recorded Percy Sledge and Aretha Franklin, and then oh. in the seventies uh, with Skinner and it, you know something. Uh, you know the documentary's got a lot of big talking heads like Bono and the Stones and. Um, Aretha Franklin and stuff. It's it's if you like music, I mean, just if this is a well made documentary, it's really good. So cool, worth a watch for everyone. Uh, then I did the Berlin File, you know, some South Korean cram, and uh, this is kind of a political thriller, twisty turny. Um, won't make my list. I, I feel like you know, there's a certain number that you got to make to make the grade, and it just is a touch below that. But it's still worth everyone's time. It's a really fun, pacey kind of uh, spy film about a North Korean. A spy. It's actually my my uh, my South Korean man crush, Jung Woo Ha, who's a nameless gangster. Nice. And, uh, Yellow Sea, and the Chaser. Actually, he's in all three. Yeah. Um, he plays in. It's three. hard. It's hard to go, do wrong with Korea these days. Yeah, they, they just they, crank out some great stuff. They really do, and it's nice to see them coming back because they had a few years where they weren't putting much out, but um, mm-hmm. they 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 seem to do 
like well-made Hollywood type fare better than any other country other than Hollywood. Yeah. You know, stuff that, you know, is good looking, good production values. But this is like, uh, takes place in Berlin, obviously. And, uh, you know, a lot of spy stuff and twists and turns. The, the, the finale gets a little bit too big for my liking. Um, it's, it's insane. There's people being blown out of log cabins. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it gets pretty insane, but it's 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 worth everyone's Wait, did, time. Did you say people were being blown in log cabins or being blown out of? <laughs> uh, yeah, that too, man. Got to be careful. I don't recall ever seeing a log cabin in Korea. Watch those, sp- yeah. Watch those. <laughs> it's watch like Looney Tunes, man. You see them flying in the air with their legs kind of going. Yeah, watch them splinters. Watch them splinters on the kneecaps, bro. Yeah, man. That's right. You got to lay the old area rug down there, by. Yeah. Oh, I uh, I just got to give a shout out my uh, brother-in-law, uh, Fresno Guillermo. He's new to the group, oh, and I nice. didn't. Yeah, my sister, uh, my sister-in-law had been married to him for quite some time. We got talking. I'd say something, and he'd he'd chirp off a response to it. And I'm like, No, 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 you don't know that. <laughs> and it turns out he's a huge movie guy. Nice. And uh, he really yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, he is very prolific. He does a lot of YouTube videos on on sports. He, I think he wants to be an anchor someday. But he he really loves good, the bad, and the weird. He's nice. like, I, I watched it, and oh my god, it was so good. And so he, he really he's getting into some of that stuff he had never seen before. So nice, yeah. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll dig this. I think if he likes the Korean stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to get him to to watch. Uh, I saw the devil. Nice. I think he would. I don't know watch Nameless one. Gangster. Nameless Gangster. I'll, I'll make a point. Yep. It's dynamite and, and New World and the New World. Yeah. So, okay. Good films. New World's on Netflix, by the way. So. I don't think cool. Nameless Gangsters got a release over here yet. Fucking elusive. Yeah. It was in my top ten last year, Nameless Gangster. It's amazing. All right. Anything else? Is that it, Large? That's it. That's, that's it. all. I just called you Large. As a- <laughs> <laughs> Talked about the Popeye movie. He's large. <laughs> large and in charge. That's right. Uh, all right. So I watched a few things this past week as well. Got a few more crammy jammies <laughs> in. Uh, watched... Um, uh, the Selfish Giant. Nice. Check that out. Uh, on the recommendation of you and uh, uh, Paul. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a good film, man. I definitely would recommend people check it out. It's uh, very emotional stuff, though, I uh, should warn that, people. Did that end not fucking destroy your soul? It uh, it hurt me badly, Jeez. yes. I mean, the only thing I could say is, you know, you kind of see that coming. Yeah. But it, 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 it's interesting, and I don't want to get into it too much without uh, obviously spoiling the film and stuff. But it's a good little uh, kitchen sink drama, as uh, Paul calls it, from uh, from uh, over the uh, over in the UK. There should warn everybody though: definitely turn your subtitles on if you're not ready for <laughs> that uh, <laughs> thick English accents, man. Because mm-hmm. they, like, Yorkshire, oh man, they really bring it. <laughs> I like thought about you when I was stuff. watching it. Yeah. <laughs> What's a video fucking doing it, baby? <laughs> and what I just said was, please come over. That's right. <laughs> that, hey, that horse race scene was amazing, was it not? Yeah, there's there's a lot of amazing scenes in the film. It's it's a very it's not like a stylish film, but it's it's just got a lot of well shot, well thought out moments. So yeah, I quite I quite enjoyed it. And there was a, there was a general sense of sadness in some of the scenes for the. Uh, the larger kid. Uh, there was, yeah, some really rough stuff. I thought I watched a lot more last week, but I didn't watch that much actually. But I did, but I, I did watch uh, the quality stuff, in my opinion. But the only other thing I watched, uh, I got some other stuff written down because it's stuff I started and I just couldn't get back to. But uh, um, was uh, Big Bad Wolves. I watched Big Bad Wolves last oh. week, 
And I gotta say, man, uh, outside of some uh, some just a couple of outlandish comedy moments, and it but it's not real heavy on the comedy. I mean, it's there. You can see it's there and stuff, but it is very dark and stuff. But I can totally see why Quentin Tarantino loves this film, yeah. and uh, I really liked it. I did. I'm not going to play coy. I mean, I don't know if it'll be on my top 30 or not. I'll play that coy, but I, I do know that I enjoyed it. It was breezy. Uh, it was dark. Uh, the lead looks a lot like Steve Carell from <laughs> The amazing. Office. But but he's really everybody. The acting is amazing in it. I think. I personally but I do think. cram, and then I was yeah. kind of circling around it because we got we're down in the nitty gritty here, and I was like, man, do I cram Big Bad Wolves? Do I not? Do I cram it? Do I not? So I'm going to try to squeeze it, it in after all. Then. Is that one streaming somewhere? No, it's not streaming right now, but you can uh, you can rent it uh, like on online services like iTunes and places like that for about six or wow. seven bucks right now. Okay. And uh, I rented it because, uh, well, I mean, not because it was on Tarantino's number one, uh, but it may, most, mostly because it just sounded interesting. And it was an Iranian film, and I don't see a it's, whole... It's actually Israeli. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Israeli. Not, my bad. I don't know why I said Iranian. You're not tell those Israelis you <laughs> called it Iranian, man. <laughs> hope, they're not, hope they're not listening to this show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. It's nice knowing you, bud. Yeah, it's, 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 but it was something different, and I was I was in the mood for something different. Now, it, it, it obviously it's it's very American in its tale and stuff. But I, I gotta say, man, these guys did rabies a couple years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it was quite a buzz film, buzz horror film and stuff. And I never got around to seeing it, and I still haven't seen it. Yeah, somebody yeah. reviewed it. It wasn't you guys. No, it wasn't us. No, I don't think we'll see. Might have been NOTLP. It may have been. It may have been. I think it's out there. I mean, well, obviously it's out there now, but I don't know if it's streaming or not. But anyway, uh, Big Bad Wolves, yeah, definitely uh, check it out. It's uh, it's interesting, to say the least. Uh, and it is nice to just kind of see this young and upcoming talent and stuff. And I hope these guys get work, I mean, because I think it's well shot uh, and well written, I believe. Is, so. is someone playing Shadow Man in the background? <laughs> Shadow Man. I keep hearing you, like, yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know about uh, you. Can't always trust these, but Imdaba compares more like this, and there's some good ones in there. I saw the devil. You're next. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's very heavy on the revenge. So you can Snowtown murders. Yeah, well, Tarantino. You can tell why he likes it because it's very heavy on revenge. It's very yeah. revenge driven. So, and it's 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 pretty dark. I'm just gonna say that. So very interesting. It's, I think it's interesting to see countries like Israel and a little bit coming out of Cuba and very fascinating to see some of these countries that aren't known for their cinematic output to be putting out some interesting genre fare or film in general. To see yeah. that burgeoning kind of uh, film industry, it's fascinating. It is. Well, not to go way, way off track, but I just get excited because every time this happens, we, we become more global. Yeah, you know, we get insights yeah. to what's going on, and even though you know you can't trust movies because they're they're movies, right? You just really get a lot more insight to the ideas and the thoughts behind these things, and and it makes it easier to understand another culture that sure. you might not ever see. Right, and I think that's fantastic. I agree. I agree as well, and it, it, that it does. You know, that that's one of the great things about uh, the internet and everything. It makes the world a smaller place while being so expansive and stuff, and. It's uh, really cool. I mean, there, there'd have been a time where I would have never heard of Big Bad Wolves until like 10 years after it came out. Yeah. So yeah. now. And it would be on somebody's, well, now it would be a taped up Blu-ray with, yeah. you know, scratching, you yeah. know, markings and yeah. <laughs> labels. And, 
All right, so that is all I watched. Let's get into our review of Night Beast here. I'm going to give it a brief plot synopsis and then let one of you guys uh, take the lead on the review here since, I, like I said, I did uh, lead a, a review, a, a menage, as I called it back in the day. I do remember saying that. DP. Yeah, with uh, Rupert <laughs> and uh, Miles, the Melius. So we, we reviewed this four years ago um, on bonus episode six. But uh, here we go. Night Beast, 1982. Baltimore filmmaker Don Dohler does an update of his 1979 film, The Alien Factor. This time only a single alien crash landing near a small town and going on a rampage. I seem to remember the plot synopsis being different back a long time ago. Maybe they changed it and stuff. but Or maybe I just made one up last time. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> only $42,000 to make this movie. So, uh, I thought it was actually, was it even less? I thought I saw 14000 Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I thought it was super, super low. It is. I mean, well, it's obviously, when you see it, it's obviously a super <laughs> low-budget film. No expense. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not up there with uh, Oblivion, you know? Yeah. Avatar. <laughs> Avatar, there yeah. you go. Avatar. <laughs> the first shot of Avatar costs as much as this whole film. <laughs> as the lunch menu. The, yeah. The breakfast yeah. bar. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But the... Um, yeah, so uh, who wants to review this? Uh, take the lead on this review here. So, uh, I will take it just because I'm only going to say a little bit because I really just want to hear your guys' thing and I want to hear Will's response because this is you know so many years of the making. <laughs> um, <laughs> in my attempt to revisit this, I, I just dug it up on YouTube because I don't own a copy of it here anywhere, and you know it's everywhere. If you really look, you can find it, and there's a, definitely a full version. But it's kind of funny that I don't know if you guys saw this one. Is it starts out with a, a trauma. Promo? Yeah, they they yeah. they picked yeah. it up. Yeah, Troma Troma has a uh, YouTube channel and they put most of their stuff up there. So yeah, Night Beast is easy yeah. to see because it's it's up there. Yeah, yeah, and they're all giving it out for free because they want people to donate towards their cause. See what you know? What's interesting about Troma? I loathe Troma. Uh, full mm-hmm. disclosure, but I really think they had a good eye for some of the stuff that they didn't actually. Um, Oh gosh, forgive me. I have I've only about three hours sleep. They didn't uh, create as as a film through their studio, but stuff that they picked up, they acquired for distribution, like Combat Shock, Stabilizer. This they have a very very good track record. Yeah, did they? They also did. Uh, what was it? Horror High. I think or, I don't. Yeah, I think that was one that they acquired and then released. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Sammy, eat- is that right? I believe so. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, it goes by other names too. Yeah, um, as, as a dis- distributor, disturbed. Yeah, as a distributor, they are. Uh, Good track record. Yeah, good track record as a distributor. Not always a good track record. I don't just lo- I don't load them as much as Will does, but I don't I don't love them either. So, well, it's one of those. It, it could be a love hate relationship too, because as a as a child watching these, and it's I've long said my dad didn't care what we watched. I mean, I but before I was a teen, I'd seen Caligula. Um, by the time I was in <laughs> grade <teen>. school, <laughs> yeah, I'd seen all of these trauma movies. But some of these, aside from Deep Red, I'd say the trauma movies have left the most impacting, disturbed, upsetting feelings in my gut um, and have been some of the most disturbing things I'd seen in ages. You know, little kids' heads getting run over and, yeah. and you know. Yeah. Um, Night Beast is one of the ones that's the first time I ever saw kids killed, like yeah. literally. Mm-hmm. And and it's very subtle in this movie, but, you know, it had such a huge impact. And the other one, um, Horror High, is probably my second most upsetting movie I've ever seen in my life because when I saw it, I was really young, and that's the one where, you know – I can't go near one of those chopping things in a school without mm-hmm. thinking about that movie, even though it's a really subtle scene. I went back and watched it again, and I'm like, wow, that's not as scary as I remember. But it it just 
trauma stuff, I won't watch most of it now because it's too disturbing. It's, it makes me too upset and too angry and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it definitely had a huge impact on my youth. Yes, oh, it's definitely. I wow. did love it as a kid. I should yeah. say there's a lot of. I think it's yeah. perfect for genre fans as kids to yeah. get into. It's a good Ad- game. Adolescent horror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got to be grosser, and it's got to have more yeah, boobs and more silence. And crasser and <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, uh, oh shoot, I'm going to get off track. So I'm going to look at my little notes here. Um, <laughs> this, I think it's really. It opens up with. I was thinking that the even though it's matte and the paint and all that, that's actually a pretty good use of the spaceship. I was actually I a little so bit too. impressed. Extremely I think for the smooth. Budget, it's really well done. Yeah, until they get to the um, burning in the atmosphere stuff where it obviously looks like a static thing with some light on it. It, mm-hmm. it was really clean. No edges, no nothing. And well, But the self-destruct pretty. really kind of gives you an idea where the movie's going. Yeah. I don't know if it's self-destruct or if it was just blowing up, but it kept blowing up and kept <laughs> blowing up. And then the guy had to wake up his friends because they didn't hear it yet. And, <laughs> and that really cracked me up. the campfire sleepers in the history of cinema. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> and they're all putting on their stuff later. we got to go look for him before he's lost. Now, I, don't know and, if, I don't know if I said this in the original review. I can't remember. I didn't go back and listen to it. But one thing I'll say about this film, is this came out in 82, but it feels like it was shot in 72. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah, the feels... The premise feels like it should have been like 86. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has started. that... Uh, when I posted that picture and DZ's like, oh, Xanadu, you know, between 70s and 80s, there was a lot of that flashy, you know, glitter and, and yeah. neon lights. and Xanadu. <laughs> Xanadu. Yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. When they get shot with the lasers, it's almost like there's a lot of Jackson 5 victory tour in this. <laughs> yep. Because when yeah. they get shot with uh, the, night, the titular Night Beast's laser... <laughs> But that like sparkly effect looks like the sparkles that the Jackson Five spread over the city in the Can You Feel It video. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the Night Beast wears the fucking Victory Tour silver jumpsuit at one point yep. in in this film. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yep. Yeah, they put him in the shadows a lot, but later on when he's full view, it's disco. It's disco fever right there. Yeah. And um, that death, those deaths, it cracks me up in the old movies. They got vaporized like instantly, right? Instant. But. Apparently it hurt like hell because <laughs> yeah. yeah. everybody's like ah with the big screams and stuff. And like, <laughs> well, the thing the thing about that gun, and I, I know I did say this in the review I did on the bonus. The thing about that gun, okay, is uh, and one of those laser victims it should be said was uh, ended up being uh, Hollywood director David Ellis who passed away last year. He, he did, uh, uh, maybe he wasn't. Yeah, I think he was a director, but he did a lot of stunt work. But uh, I think he directed Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, he did direct Snakes on a Plane, yeah. Final Destination 2 and stuff. But one That's of those cool, guys that gets killed. Ooh, nice. But uh, one of the things about that gun is it, it, it vaporizes what Don Doer needs it to vaporize. Like if, it's, yeah. if it hits a wall, it doesn't vaporize. But if it hits a car and he needs it to vaporize, it'll, it'll, it'll vaporize the car. So the, the gun is inconsistent in its vaporization. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it'll, like, it'll, it'll just kick up a little bit of dirt if it hits the ground. Yeah, a little explosion. I'm like, what exploded? You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, so it's very strange. It, yeah, and when it hits the doors, it looks like it's just going to vaporize the doors off. And you're like, oh, the kids are going to get exposed. But no, it just, the whole thing's gone. <laughs> and what was that creepy uncle doing with those kids out in the forest? <laughs> I know he was just t- stopping to take a leak, but that just just creeped me the hell out. Yeah, what was he like? What was he doing with that station wagon out in the woods with a yeah. couple kids? <laughs> Little kids in it. Um, so uh, the imagery was really good. It actually starts out, other than that crazy explosion, it actually looks like it's going to be a semi-quality movie compared to other stuff that came out in that era. 
Well, it certainly, it, kinda, it certainly doesn't look like a $42,000 movie. No, no his dollar no. stretches that dollar. Yeah. <laughs> he and does. I, the he, special effects, yeah. I mean, for the for the that budget? Yeah. Good. Yeah, that is an amazing mask, that that whole whole thing. There's a spot where they're chasing the kids, though, where it looks like it lost a tooth. It's got, like, one <laughs> gnarly tooth going to the side. <laughs> and, and so, And if you look at all the pictures, you're supposed to have two teeth, you know. But uh, it was still pretty cool. And all the slime and the gore, I mean, he did a fantastic job on that thing. Um, let's see. The way, the way the Night Beast, like, when the Night Beast, whenever he's standing still, he looks like a sassy Night Beast, though, because he kicks his hip out and bucks, bends his knee a little bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and the great. one part where he's got the cloud coming behind him and the lights and stuff, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's a badass. Yeah, a little bit and, of sass. Uh, I was going to point out in rereading this that uh, F.U. Abrams to quote uh, F-13, is uh, the guy who did the music for this. Oh, nice. There's even an article out there that says uh, we can thank Night Beast for Abrams, you know, that kind of thing. Oh. So it's kind of interesting Abrams. read. Yeah. J.J. Abrams. No. Yeah. He did the music for this film? Yeah, I think it was the music. Well, No, no it was actually the, he's actually the sound effects designer. Sound effects. Okay. Right. He's the one that came up with that, that laser sound. Yeah. Sound department. I think people forget wow. sometimes that yep. JJ. Some people forget sometimes JJ is uh, he's he's well into his middle age now. He's not a young I, man. I think of him as like he a looks young five. though. Yeah. 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 He looks young, but he's he's uh, well, he's nine years. Oh, no, seven years older than me. Well, so yeah, seven years older than me. He's forty-seven. Oh wow! Now so, I hate him. He's forty-seven. This was eighty-two. <laughs> well, uh, sorry, say what year were you born again? Seventy-six. Seventy-three. Seventy-three. So uh, what's that? Sixty-six. So he would have been like, he was young though when he did this. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah he started he's under twenty. He started working in the business pretty early. I mean, he really. Oh. Um, he was born in '66. Yeah, he got into movies uh, yeah. quick. He's, yeah, I think I read an interview with him a long time ago, uh, back when he was doing Wrong Turn stuff and saying that he was destined to be in the movies because of really nothing else he could have done. So. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us could relate to that, except for we we're doing other stuff anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we could have just been in the movie thing, we just would have everything else would have. But you're right; he by. was the sound effects. Oh, you're right; he was the uh, he is the credited composer as Jeffrey Abrams. He doesn't call himself J.J. Yeah. J. J. Abrams as the composer. He's Jeffrey Abrams. So yeah, very so that cool. was a surprise. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. Was there any? Let's see. I could go on and on. I mean, you're got a perm mustache, Afro mustache. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, the, I think I called we, him Sheriff Permy McMustache or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he he looks like Mister Welcome Back Carter. Like, as soon as you see him, you're like, hey, <laughs> <That was Gabe. laughs> yeah. he's one of my favorite low budget film performances. Is the sheriff? I love him. Yeah, he's yeah, so, he, he's so droll and uh, just kind of <clears throat> we need to we need to get out there. You know, just well, very very basic. <laughs> yeah, well, we should go do that, and, and uh, he. I was briefly showing Trevor some little tidbits from it because Trevor will never sit down and watch a whole movie with me anymore. It's just not his thing. Mm -hmm. But I can get him to watch little clips. And I got him to watch just the beginning of that love scene. And he's like, I got bigger muscles than that guy. <laughs> so my 15-year-old, he's like, I'm bigger than that guy. Yeah, well, doesn't <laughs> so, take much, you know, the, the guys. Well, I mean, yep. at least you could say that guy, he's, he's an everyman. And he's definitely. He uh, Two weeks in a row, we've had everyman heroes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then um, I always thought that Lisa and his deputy should have been the leads. The girl that gets taken out, oh, uh, yeah. strangled. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, oh, yeah. I like Mary Jane myself. More of a Mary Jane guy. <laughs> <laughs> For obvious reasons. So, uh, and, and the um, Rick James track. acting in the history of cinema. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Um, da, 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 the, and then I was just going to point out that they use the name George Michael. I'm worried if that was on purpose. George <laughs> Michael. <laughs> yeah, because it, it would have been the right arrow just about, I think. Um, and then they're like, blow his head off. No, 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 get the gun first. And I'm like, they want the gun so they can kill the monster. Oh, man. But they're telling the sharpshooter, don't shoot his head off. That's one of my the- favorite. Oh, my God. Like, when they go, <laughs> they have this strategy. And it's like, honestly, throughout this whole film, they're treating it like like it's it's like um, like a rabies outbreak with raccoons. That's how they're treating this creature. Mm-hmm. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're very la-di-da about it. And that line is, they bring the sni- like the farm the farm sniper in. And it's like, get the weapon first. Then blow its head off. Yeah. It's like, why yeah. you're making things so hard for yourself? That laser will fucking vaporize you. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I mean, take his head out. It's debatable because if you have behind a six foot wall, it will not vaporize you. Yeah, like a cobblestone I said. wall. Well, yeah. You know what? You mean to make a, a suit of armor out of cobblestone as cumbersome <laughs> as it may be? It'll be all right. I, I love the close up shot where the sniper hits the gun out of his hand. I love the reaction yeah. of the hands. Like, <laughs> yeah. <gasps> If he'd have had that sparkly glove on, it'd have been totally victory tour. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. Should be said. Could... We should should be said. Now, Tom Griffin, the the Jack Sender character, great name by the way, Sheriff Jack Sender. Uh, he he only did three films, all of them for Dan Doler. Um, but I, and I got you know I'm I'm planning on going and seeing uh, meeting or uh, hanging out sometime with uh, Randy and Lisa at some point in time. But evidently Lisa Kent, the deputy, she works as a server in a restaurant in Baltimore. So I got to find this no restaurant. Way. Cindy and, does. That's the, uh, uh, the, uh, Le- the Lisa. Deputy? No, Lisa. Lisa yeah, the yeah, deputy, yeah, the, the one that he gets out of bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Is one, that the, the one that says, "Only if I can take my towel off." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to. I got to meet this picture. lady. You got to bring a towel to that restaurant. And get oh, a picture of her. With get it you. signed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for her already. Yeah, no. Here's my towel. Sign it. Well, I'd imagine there's quite a few people that are working yeah. around Baltimore that uh, were in Don Dollar films because you know they were very low budget and stuff. And he would just. She was evidently a hairdresser for his wife or a friend of his or something like that. And he put it in the film and stuff. And, yeah, that's something you guys did mention last time. Is he was really big on hiring the local hairdressers. Yeah, <laughs> they had some good looking hairdressers over there. There's nothing like the ones that do our hair over here. <laughs> this guy had the uh, Doctor Zom daddy perm. Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. <laughs> But you know that's all I'm going to say because I really want to hear Will's take on it. And yeah, I do too. It sounds like he uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. So I'm looking sounds forward. like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had fun. I I got to say I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, it was one that after you guys reviewed it and Sandy and everyone just kept going, man, it's so good and so good. It was elu- eluding me, and uh, that's why like I made sure, despite being sick, uh, I wanted to get it done and watched and covered and stuff. But yeah, so. Um, yeah, film's been covered twice in the show now, as we've talked about, a $14,000 budget. Mm. Um, I really, really take, like, I'm so impressed with that. I don't think I've, well, I don't want to say that, that that's high praise. But I will say, I, I haven't seen too many films that have stretched a dollar like this does. Now, you can say what you will about <clears throat> this film appealing to a certain cross-section, like our community. And that's fine, but yeah, it looks good for what it is. Everything from... The acting's a bit lumpy, but I think for its film, I've seen a lot worse acting in in genre film. Yeah, the worst oh, thing, yeah. the wor- <clears throat> I think the worst thing you can say about this movie, if there's one really bad thing you can say about this movie, it's not the effects, it's not the rubber monster. No, because it looks it, fine. It might be just some of the pacing. 
It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. But at least, at least, Joel is smart enough to keep it like eighty minutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If he had have added another fifteen, twenty minutes, it would have gotten a bit dreadful. It, yeah, it you could know, have been abysmal. He keeps yeah. it sticks around long enough that the charm doesn't leave. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, because there's bad movies, and then there's bad movies that will never end. Yeah. That's right, and that's the worst crime if you're a yep. boring film. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's got a it's three fun. three point five on IMDb. It's not really. It's, it's not that bad a film. No. <laughs> So not, um, but yeah, it's it's eighty two. You guys had said it looks like it's shot in seventy two, and some of it might have been shot like seventy seven or something. Like you figure he, you know, cobbling it together, right? Yeah. Um, what's interesting is Doler did the the Sam Raimi thing, mm-hmm. where I think his I I only knew because I read this that his first film was like a, either a prequel or it was this film, and he kind of rebooted it with, with if you can believe it, a bigger budget mm-hmm. with this one. So sort of like what Raimi did with Evil Dead. Uh, revisiting that stuff. Um, yeah, he didn't make very many films. I mean, he was uh, completely independent and stuff. And I think he only made, ooh, I want to say seven or eight movies, maybe, if I remember correctly. I'm looking now. Seven films, it says. So he did this. Uh, he did Alien Factor and Alien Factor 2, Night Beast, uh, obviously, Galaxy Invader, Fiend. And the last thing he was uh, attached to was Dead Hunt, which came out actually after he passed away. Because he was only 60 when he passed away. That's young. Very sad. Wow. It's too yeah. bad. I would have liked to have talked to Dolder. Yeah, yeah. He would have been a great interview. Like I said, I saw the documentary with him and stuff, and he seems to be a guy who just loved movies. And, uh, Man, that's a bummer. It is. Um, I, there's a version of this that came out, a uh, 30-year trauma version. Mm-hmm. They have a cover of it in Night Beast did you, or in uh, Imdaba. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. If you have the guts, he wants them. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great yeah, tag, that's huh? great. Although I, I never see the night beast like eating anything, he just vaporizes people. So I don't really he, understand. He he, he um, disembowels someone on a yeah. porch. Oh yeah, that's right. He does. He does. And there's another that. guy. Uh, he he tears up the guy, the uncle, and then there's another guy. Like he uh, macerates. What's the word? Eviscerates. You know, like, yeah, yeah, eviscerates him or something. And I don't even know what yeah. he did to him to do that. <laughs> no. He totally did. Yeah. No. He he uh, he got it. People got it good, man. There's some face slashes and. He dealt with a few fools. So it was impressive. But yeah, Sandy talked about the UFO explosion, which goes on for days, and it's amazing. Um, and there's a, I think there's a lot of plaid and a lot of feathered hair in this film. Oh, yeah. Which is good. Yes. We never did that, right? None of us. No feathered hair. Ever. I, I didn't. Uh, Not actually, even. I did have feathered yeah. hair. Yeah. <laughs> None of us males did, right? Yeah. No, I had feathered hair. It was nice. Feathered hair and perms in this. Yeah. Perms? Did, you, did you guys do the perms? I did, oh, I, no, no. I like having straight hair my whole life. <laughs> I, 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 never, I never did the perm, thankfully. Oh. I thought about it at one point in time. At one point, I'm, you know, I'm of the age where one of the popular things to do was the uh, mullet perm thing. Oh, yeah. Yes. So I, I almost did it once. I wish I could have seen you. <laughs> I did have a mullet, and I wore a dangly zipper earring. Yeah, nice. Uh, I, I was yeah. I was watching River Monsters last night, and that's always a good show for mullets. Oh yeah, I bet it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the ones I saw were global, so there was like the Japanese one, so there was no mullets. But <laughs> I bet some of them have fine mullets. Um, yes, yeah, and he talked about the weapon. My note is that. <laughs> That night beast laser. Major laser. Yeah. <laughs> like, that fucking laser is a serious weapon. And what's great is that like night beast does not fuck around. He starts spraying the room like yeah. from the get go. <laughs> yep. It's not like pew, pew. he's just 
Yeah. It's like, he goes crazy. It's like, it's like all of Cobra. Yeah. Like the whole Cobra army is, is shooting at once. It's obvious. He, he's watched too many American films. It's obvious. He's watched too much G.I. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all I needed was, uh, fucking, that's what the Sheriff Premi McStash said. He should have found the equalizer with the blue laser, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting to see like a plane coming down with the dude in a parachute in the background. Yes, exactly. But, uh, yeah, that laser is impressive. But I, oh, I, I said this, but he's the the night beast stands like, uh, like a member of Duran Duran. He's very sassy when he's standing still. Yeah, um, which I love. Uh, this film, for its runtime, is pretty pacey. Like, there's a lot of death in this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, yeah, like the first ten minutes, three or four people die. Yeah, mm-hmm. including children, <laughs> <clears throat> including yep. children. And it's not like that thing of. The guy has a machete, so everyone gets it with a stab to the stomach. Because we've all seen shitty low-budget horror films where where it's like, stab to the stomach, stab to the face, throat slash. And that's all the guy pulls out. No, Dolor pulls out everything, man. Like he, <laughs> he keeps it going, which is good. Um, yeah, it's it's almost like they had to pull out some of that stuff just so it would be a trauma movie. you know? Because if he just goes around and disco zaps everybody. Yeah, he can't, you know? right? No. It's like, it's like the, the man with the golden gun. It says uh, here J.J. Abrams got the job when he was 16 years old. Yeah, I was going to say 17, yeah. Um, Night Beast, when he's growling, he sounds like Cookie Monster making a, a growly tummy noise. <laughs> yeah. Cookie Pretty amazing. See, they could have just given him cookies. They yeah. should have, man. But it, it, may, yeah, it might have solved everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, Night Beast just wanted a, <laughs> wanted a little macadamia nut, yo. Yeah. Um, there's some awful making out scenes in this. There's that oh. one for, it's near the beginning where the guy's making out with the girl. It's a close-up of their mouths. It's so gross. It is gross. And, uh, yeah, obviously, I'm not going to do what I did in the bonus episode six and play the love scene. No. But uh, and, no. and do, do like a running commentary here. But, uh, you know, to go back and listen to that, you know, obviously I'm referring a lot to bonus episode six. So I, I would definitely say download that and then download. And when you listen to this, oh, download yeah. that and listen to that as well. But uh, this this is easily, and I think we said it at the time, me and Miles and Brian. This is one of the most bizarre and uncomfortable love scenes <laughs> ever put to camera. Uh, well, it starts and it happens with this, after he breaks his leg. Yeah, well, he gets shot in the he, leg, I think. Oh, shot in the leg. That's yeah. right, shot in the leg. And she takes him back to her place, and she works on the leg. And it's just this. It's just oh, really she this, works on the leg, all right. <laughs> yeah, she does. But she takes off, uh, you know, she takes off her deputy's uh, shirt. She has no bra on, of course. You know, this is the 70s, mm-hmm. 80s. You know, that's the way it was, I guess, in the small-town cop world. But, uh, yeah, if the sheriff wasn't getting the hint right then and there, I mean, you know, it, it was pretty amazing. But then they, I think uh, Rupert brought up that they do a series of three dissolves to the bed, which is, you know, <laughs> always great. But it's just one of these really bizarre, uncomfortable Love scenes, and when you know that J.J. Abrams did the music to it, it adds like a little bit more punch to it because it's got this really kind of emotional, like Hulk, like yeah. Bruce, Bruce Bixby walking away type music to it. You know, that's their last emotional moment they will ever have before they die. I say Bruce Bixby, I mean Bruce Banner, but or, or Bill Bruce Bixby. Banner. I didn't want to correct Bill, Bill Bixby or, or David Banner, as he's known on the TV show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, I know I, I probably gushed some of this in in a follow up thing, but it, that. This is one of those movies where I saw it, you know, because I rented a lot of them and was by myself a lot. So I'd watch these movies and I'd tell people at school, you got to see this. You got, oh, you know, and pieces and reanimator and, you know, because you just pick them up off the VHS self and you run home and and you're like, oh, my God, how did I never hear this? And and so 
I thought about this one a lot, and I always remembered the alien killing the kids and what its face looked like, and and the sheriff, and thinking that he had this sex scene right after he had fallen in a pit and had a messed up leg, and <laughs> and I remember telling people, I was like, "What is this movie? What is this movie?" And then I eventually saw something, and I was like, "Oh, it's Night Beast." And then Bonus Six came on, <laughs> and I was sitting there listening to these guys, and I'm thinking, oh, "That sounds really familiar. That sounds really familiar. Holy crap!" You know, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh my god!" And you guys had never seen it, and so to me, it was just like one of those epic moments, you know, because I don't know, it's hard to explain. But yeah. I just, I, I got to say, you know, I, I'm a male, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, and you know, I, I, I like the company of women. I won't lie, you know. But as soon, it, right after I get my leg gashed, I think the first thing. <laughs> I'm not, I think the first thing I'm not thinking of is changing, exchanging bodily fluids with my bandage Especially on. Especially with a fucking alien with like a vaporizing laser gun on the loose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got to take a time out, Lisa. I got to get, you know, I got to get a, I got to get a piece. But it just it seems strange to me. But again, you know, it, this is Don Dolor. You know, he says, and is you know, it's one of those things. It's the uh, Roger Corman way. You know, you put the blood, you put yeah. the boobs. You know, you, it's an exploitation film, so you, you got to have certain elements to sell these things, and uh, I think they have just the right amount in this film. Well, sometimes written versions of stuff makes more sense. I don't remember the exact details, but in Stephen King's The Raft, mm-hmm. and which is part of, I think, Creepshow oh, 2, if you watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a scene where they, they're stuck out on this raft while this goo will come up through it and, and eat you, right? Right. Yet the book kind of has a better explanation of how they end up making love on this raft. And and in sense, you're thinking you you could die. All these horrible things could happen. Why would you want to lay down on this raft and have sex? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's the dumbest move in the world. But the book kind of talks about it. And and so movies, it's it's one of those things that I kind of written off for movies. Like, okay, here's the sex scene. Let's just get this over with because it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know. I mean, there has been it's, – it's it's an age-old problem in exploitation cinema. There is inopportune or I guess maybe opportune uh, moments for these sex scenes and stuff. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's a thing. But, yeah, but you know, at the same time, it's just you know, if I had a gash on my upper thigh, I just don't know if I'd, you know. I'm well, Troy here. says if it doesn't have boobs, it's not a horror movie. So, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard to argue that point. I mean, you know, Roger Corman created that model, and I have to, you know, I have to agree in some capacity. Yeah. That's what you're, you know, you're going to those movies for. You're going to it for the violence. You're going to it for the nudity, yep. and, and the action. Typically, those are the things you want. So, yeah, I mean, this film gives you what you want in eighty minutes. Yeah, yep. it totally does. Um, the best thing about laser weapon or laser weapon, alien laser technology, <laughs> no reloading. That's right. Yep. That's right, That's bro. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> I love those batteries we wish you had for our cell phones. Yeah, no kidding. Especially with the iPhones, man. <laughs> it's like 20, like two hours. I'm down to 30%. I know. Yep. <clears throat> it's terrible. Forced to have chargers everywhere you go. Um, yep. It's like they go to call in Perkins, the like the local town sniper. It's like why not call in the fucking seals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This this sheriff is very kind of folksy down homey. He's almost like like the love child of Don Knotts and Gabe Kaplan. <laughs> like he really is like he's such a pushover too, with like that local kind of rich guy politician. Like he lets people just push him around. Yeah, he does. It's it's like, yeah. dude, come on, man. Like to the point where he even like, and this is rule number one with with women. Sandy, you can probably vouch for this. Don't ask the girl if you can take her, your shirt off. Don't ask if you can kiss yep. her. Sheriff said, "Can I take my shirt off?" Come on, man. At least go with the age old. It's hot in here. 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> or, oh, there's something on my shirt. I better take it off. <laughs> yeah, he's just such a kind of aw shucks nice guy. You know, it's, uh, I don't know, man. He's got a, he's got a, you know, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think I think Miles brought up that it, when we did the show, the, the at bonus that uh, this is basically kind of a riff on Jaws because I mean, I think he goes to the mayor. Oh, and man, the, that was my next note actually. And you don't, you know, you, you scream, you know, Night Beast. You know, that's what I think Miles like. I'm kind of misquoting him there, but you can say this, but if you say Night Beast, people are gonna, you know, panic or whatever. So, yep. You know yep. what? My next note was ex- exactly a Jaws parallel. Was when he goes to the governor, like the. And he goes to the like the big wig, and he's like, you know, we gotta get everyone out of town. And he's like, no, I got the party with the governor. He's on the way here. You know, it's gonna be amazing. It reminds me of Jaws totally. That's that was exactly what reminded me of Jaws. Yeah, and if you look, even <laughs> the sheriff's dressed up the way the sheriff's dressed up in Jaws, and you know, and yeah. Roy Scheider's so much more appealing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mary Jane. She's like the working man's Nancy Allen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like her. I love all the science in this, like the lab coat technicians. Let's get the ashes. Let's analyze them. And how they do a little science experiment with the electricity. Yes. They can't just look at the outline on the ground. Yeah, no kidding, man. Um, what is it? I hope you... And what is it? I hope you... <laughs> for, I don't know what that says. Oh, but my next note, I've, I posted a screenshot. Drago don't play. Drago. <laughs> he's like he's like the mean version of the meatloaf biker in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's quite a quite the dickhead. Um, he makes me think of uh, every time I see that name though, and I know it's from like um, Dragonheart, but Drago, uh, Drago the actor. I think it might have been Drago. Billy Drago. Name? Yeah, Billy Drago. So, yeah, imagine Billy Drago as the sheriff. Uh, if he pulled up on the bike, done. he'd be scarier though. He would have ate. He would have ate the night beast's soul in the first five minutes. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's a lot of tan lines in this, but big tan lines, man. Yeah, male big and tan. female. Male and female. <laughs> um, which is amazing. Uh, the girl, one girl in it, does the GGTMC shirt tie, where instead of buttoning mm-hmm. it up, she ties, makes it into like a half shirt. Which is great. There's there ain't no party like a governor's party. <laughs> there's Manhattans to drink. There's wood paneling, one piece bathing suits. It's outstanding. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's what I say. It says 1982, but and maybe 82 was like this. You know, I was a little boy, but I mean, it just felt like you know the times had not caught up with uh, middle class Baltimore yet. Yeah. Um, there's a fight scene in this that you know, on on like a lawn that kind of rivals the Keith David. Roddy Roddy Piper fight scene. <laughs> yeah. Pretty amazing. Uh, piano. Man, I got a, this is like my messiest notes ever. I said, I think it says a chance was given piano. So I don't know what that says. Why did I write piano? Was there a piano in this film? I don't oh, remember. There's, piano. Piano. there's a nice piano riff during the love scene. I was going to say. There's... That must. Oh, that's what it was. I say, this is what it says. It says a chance was given piano. So tender. That's what it says. <laughs> because then my next note is, can I get this shirt off? If I can take this towel off. Um, uh, b- 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 as a completely sort of piggish guy, I was wondering why it wasn't Mary Jane that was uh, undressing. Um, let's see here. I think I have one more note. Uh, I just actually doesn't matter. It's redundant. But I love that they go for the Hail Mary with the electrical coil. Mm. Yeah, throw one up and see if they can make it make it stick. Uh, and those are my notes. They obviously didn't see Selfish Giant. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, was, yeah, was he wearing the Victory Tour boots, though? It's <laughs> a $64,000 question. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. I mean, I feel like I've, you know, it's just one of those things, but I'm really glad that Will got to do this on the show because Finally, I mean, yeah. it was uh, it was nice and, and to hear him uh, like it because I was wondering if he would. You know, it was, you know I kind of know him pretty well, but I was wondering if he'd dig it and stuff. But I, I will say that even, you know, watching it again, the simplicity of the effects really works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy yeah. the the rubber monster, the laser effects, the kind of <laughs> the kind of just simple nature of the film. And this is a really good example of you know if you want to be a filmmaker, just make the movie, just do it. And Don yeah. Dollar would do that, you know. And I I got to say I got to give him credit for that because there's a lot of low budget films made uh, that aren't good. And um, I'll just be honest, they're just not good. But this one still holds up, I think. And I. I understand some people would probably look at this and think it's cheap and droll and just dull and blah blah blah, but I, I think they're not looking at it in the right light. I think you got this. There's, there's a certain innocence to this film that we talk about with uh, late '70s, early '80s cinema that I think really kind of shines through. So it's really nice. Yeah, there's a kind of a quaint, a quaint feel to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and innocence. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. Small town Americana. I used to describe it as the worst movie I'd ever seen. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. until I went back and revisited it and seen so many movies since then that you're like, okay, this isn't quite so bad. Well, yeah, that's like the Plan Nine from Outer Space thing. You know, people would always say, hey, it's yeah. the worst movie ever made, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute now. I've seen much worse than Plan Nine from Outer Space. <laughs> Birdemic. <laughs> yeah, obviously, people have not seen what I've seen because. Oh man, Birdemic's yep. fucking terrible. Sorry, Miles. I hate Birdemic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't make it through it. I couldn't handle it. I made it through it, but you know. Jeez. And I love junk, man. But it's pretty bad. <laughs> it is pretty bad. Also, the, if you get that thirty-year vi- uh, edition that they show on the Imdba, it also says that it comes with a make your own damn movie. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. So that you were talking about earlier about you know you could just go out and make a movie. Yeah, yeah. I like to get that edition. It's got a commentary on it and everything. Yeah, how to, rip your arm off, how to rip an arm off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, you know, that there's a little how to rip an arm off. Uh, I think it's a documentary or something. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. a, and then uh, make your own damn movie, little DVD box set, and then special editions. Got some bloopers and outtakes and commentary. I'm sure there's well, some I'm bloopers. Gonna have to- I'm going to have to look up the bloopers. Yeah, it's probably some bloopers of the Night Beast tripping, I would imagine, because it's probably pretty hard <laughs> to see out of that mask. But yeah, I mean, I want to I see somebody playing with his chest hair or scales or whatever's down in that little V-neck. <laughs> Says something about you, Sandy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you like them like a melted Twix bar yeah. <laughs> with a little hair on it. It's all about the chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, let's get into our make or breaks and uh, MVTs. What do you got, Sandy? Oh, most valuable player. Uh, it, it, for me, it's just got to be the sheriff. That that image of him, <laughs> it has never gone out of my brain. And the make and break scene is, is the love scene for me. It's just that whole, uh, it, it rivals a little bit the kid killing just because it's so iconic in my memory of, <laughs> oh, my God, they killed kids. Ah, you know, which is nothing nowadays, as horrible as that sounds. Um, but yeah, McFro stash. I just I can't get past that guy. He's he's my make or break. So. Yep, I thought that I have to agree with you. But I I can't remember what I gave it last time when me and Miles and and Brian did it because I didn't listen to that, re-listen to it. But yeah, he's he's pretty amazing. I mean, talk about the everyman sheriff. <laughs> it wouldn't be the same movie if they had had a hunk in there. Yeah, and he probably would have acted differently too so i just think that that sheriff kind of pushed it over that edge of making it a very unique 
once once you've seen it, you've never seen anything like it, so to speak, kind of movie. Yeah. What's your uh, uh, What's your score? Oh shoot! Out of ten. Oh gosh! You know what? I didn't even think about this ahead of time. <laughs> oh man. Um, Eight point two five pops in my head. Nice, nice. Because nice. it's I don't have any problem rewatching it. I I talk about it every time it pops in my head. I've got to say something about it, even to people who've never seen it. So yeah, it's got to be fairly high, but it's definitely you know not a ten out of ten by any means. So. Nice, nice. All right, Large William. Uh, make or break. I could go with the the love making, but I'm going to go with the opening. I think the opening really impressed me. Like some people could mock the space stuff, but I think it looks really good for the budget and the mm-hmm. time. Really good and. Um, that's why I really like that. And then you get the fucking explosion and dudes getting their plaid vaporized in no time. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, it just works really well. I was like, okay, man, Dolor's, Dolor's got his foot on the gas pedal. So I'm, I'm with him in the, I'll, I'll be, uh, in the passenger seat with him for this one. Um, uh, night beast, my, the night beast don't like flannel, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> you night beast fucking hates flannel. You need to put him in early 90s Seattle. That guy would have knocked out Dude, some shit, bruh. Well, if everybody gone. was running around in disco shirts, he probably would have left him alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. See if he had been in the right city in the right time. He was mad because dance, <laughs> dance fever got canceled. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's right, man. He was taking out his, fr- he was venting, man. Dude just wanted to be in Brooklyn, 1977. And- yeah. You know, it's got a tuned dick. I can dance to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have a nice slice of pizza walking down the street. Yeah, man. He to work. Dude, just what you know? He just wanted to work at a paint a paint store. That's all he wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, my score. I'm gonna say a seven point. Uh, um, I'm gonna say a seven point. Oh gosh, I'm kind of torn here. Seven point two five. I really had fun with this. I'm definitely going to buy that DVD. I think it's nice. It, it, I'm smiling about it right now as I'm resu- reviewing it, and that's always a great sign. It, it's a fun film, and like I said, I got a lot of respect for Dolor after this one. Yep, yep. Um, Very cool. I believe you gave it what I may have given it the first time I reviewed it. Uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, Make or Break. I still love the love scene. Love the love scene. Love the love, the love scene. It's uh, <laughs> pretty great, and. Uh, yeah, I'll still push that on people as one of the most uncomfortable moments ever filmed. Uh, so it's great to show it again. Um, my MVT, I don't remember who I gave it to last time, but this time around I'm going to give it to the one-two combo of Dolor and uh, Sheriff Premier McMustache because nice. I love their working together. And uh, I need to see Fiend. I think they're in Fiend together and Alien mm-hmm. Invader. i got to see those two. Yeah, so. I want to go back and watch Alien Invader. I don't know if I've ever watched that one. Yeah. Uh, this time around, I think I'm gonna give it a seven point five. I think I gave it, like I said, I think I gave it a seven point two five last time. But I was waffling between those two. But I think it's you know it's a perfectly enjoyable eighty minute low budget film, and uh, yep, one of those great like it has one of those great. I mean that DVD cover is a great example of like the way box art used to be on VHS <laughs> yeah. cover box. You know? Well, you see the old uh, VHS one, the one that I picked up off the shelf. It's just the image and the and the lights and the smoke. Yeah, and yeah. that's all it is. It's pretty great. It's a great image, but uh, yeah, Night Beast, definitely check it out. Like uh, Sandy brought up and I brought up as well, you can watch it for free on Troma's uh, YouTube channel, or you can pick up the DVD for, it says it's temporarily out of stock, but you can, I'm sure there's some used ones out there and stuff, but. Yeah, and that that, uh, Boobs and Blood one has been out of stock ever since I tried to order it last time. Yeah, that was, uh, I think that might be available to watch online, but that might be on YouTube as well, because uh, I haven't checked, but that might be out there. That's definitely a high recommend, definitely check out that documentary as well. 
All right. So that is our review of Nightbeast. Sandy, if you want to give us a uh, adios here in a second, but also we just want to thank you for your support, obviously, for being uh, years of support. And, you know, not only a friend of the show, but a friend outside of the show. So we appreciate everything you've done for us and supported us and been there for us and all that good stuff. And Well, I, I, I just feel very privileged that, you know, when I'm talking about stuff and, and I say, well, my friends on online are my friends from this podcast. And I feel comfortable saying that. Um, this is definitely a family. Um, I, I know I haven't been consistent as far as being in and out of the groups all the time just because of life. And you guys know how it is with family and stuff. Oh, yeah. But you guys in the podcast community overall, I have to give it to the group, have been a constant in my life for so many years now. It's hard to believe how many years have gone by. It is. And uh, I am grateful for that. And I am extra grateful to have been on the show because in, in turn for what you guys give us, we shouldn't be, you know, I feel like we should be throwing money at you and, and not asking for anything in return. So, and you guys are respectful and there's podcasters out there that just really get full of themselves. And I, I really appreciate that you guys have kept it real all these years. Well, thank thank you. you. Yeah, it's an ultimate compliment for us because that's our goal. Yeah. yeah. Keeping it real. We like to keep it real here at the GTTMC. Yeah. All right. Great. So we'll see you around on the internets, right? We'll see you around. Thank you. There. Oh yeah, I'll be there somewhere, <laughs> some point. So thank you and ideos. There we and we, have, we always know the next Valentine's Day. I missed the boat by feet. I got to tell hubby to get a perm for you. Yeah. Oh, I want to know if you guys ever have gone to your wife and say, "Can I take my shirt off?" <laughs> Try it. I want to see what they say. <laughs> I usually go to mine and say, "Can I put my shirt on?" <laughs> <laughs> Can I leave my shirt on and the lights off? I leave my socks on. <laughs> <laughs> the sun's scratching me all up because I'm running around the house with no shirt on all the time. That's right. I can bake him with my shirt on. Anybody's ever oh. had anybody's ever had children, and especially when they're small, those nails can be like puppy teeth. Man. Oh God! And if they, I don't know if you guys if they get into your hair, oh. like at the nape of your neck. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Get into my goatee every now and then, just yanks. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, so that is our review night piece. And like Sandy said, adios. And uh, we'll be back after the short break to talk about Lolly Madonna Triple X. So, uh, thank you very much. We'll be back right after this. Hey, all you podcast listeners, here's an update. See here. We know some of that bad brown acid has been going around. But we've got an alternative. See here. Have these headphones here. Throw them on. See here. Movies for your mind. See here. See here podcast. We discuss music-related films once a month. Find us on iTunes or at see here. That's s e e h e a r. dot podbean. dot com. Just relax, listen, and float downstream. See. Here. All right, everybody, welcome back. We want to thank Sandy again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, and by the way, we're almost done with all of our Kickstarter stuff. I think we got one more left, and now we're doing that one in March, I believe. So yes, we are. So we'll be good to go. We got a couple other things scheduled too. We got to talk about off the air, including one uh, one gentleman named Dave coming back. So. And it's not yeah. the Davey. I don't think it's Davey. Well, they both call themselves Davey a little bit. So That's right. So, but one of them is almighty. Anyway. Uh, okay, so our next film is Lolly Madonna, Triple uh, X. War. Uh, the Lolly Madonna War. Yes. And um, this was a Kickstarter selection from uh, 
Jeff, also known as uh, Shiftless and Shasta. That's his blog. Uh, big time movie fan. He seems to be a guy to me. I've never talked to him personally, but he seems to be a guy to me whose goal is to watch as almost every movie he possibly can because he watches a lot of films and a lot of deep cuts. A lot of deep cuts. Yeah, he really goes into the vaults to to watch to watch you know like a thirty eight western and then you know stuff like that. So he uh, he really goes for the. I, let's, I, I, let's put it this way. I respect his opinion because he does watch a lot of films. Same here. He's one of the guys. Like if I had you know who wants to be a millionaire. If I had to have a list of like say five or ten people in the group, to phone a friend, he'd be one of them, man. Dude, yeah, yeah, he goes yeah. deep. Yeah, he does. Uh, so this is Lolly Madonna Triple X, also known as Lolly, Lolly Madonna War, nineteen seventy three. Uh, uh, yeah, that magical year, directed by one Richard C. Serafian. 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 Yeah, Armenian boy. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> he's well known, uh, at least somewhat. He uh, directed Vanishing Point. Yeah, but he also um, he was an actor. He did a lot of he always played mob roles. Like he was kind of a very, very. I don't know if he, he's Armenian, but I guess he must have really sold the Italian look well. I remember he was in Bound with the Wachowski uh, siblings. And he was the heavy set gangster in that, but he was also I think he played Capone in a gangster thing. And but he did a lot of acting, a lot of character acting, probably more than he did directing and stuff. But he directed a few good, uh, you know, a few popular films to say the least. You know, he did the, that Burt Reynolds film, The Cat Dance or The Cat Dancer. Or? Yeah, the man who loved cat dancing. That's one of my favorite titles ever, man. Yeah, yeah. He did that and uh, Vanishing Point, obviously. That's the big one for him. Yeah, and then this one and Man in the Wilderness, which I've never seen. It's 1971. I don't know what that is. Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, he did Eye of the Tiger, which... You know, Busey, is, reteaming with the Busey. Which is one I want to cover at some point on here. Yeah. <laughs> he did something called Gangster Wars in 81. I don't know what that is. I want to see who's in that real quick. Ooh, a little Michael Nuri. Nice. A little Joe Penny. Yeah. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. Ooh, a little Marky Post. Zombie. Oh, I love early Marky Post. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Marky Post. <laughs> Marky Baby. Marky Baby. All right. Um, so let me get a plot synopsis here for um, Lolly Madonna. It should be said this is based on a novel from a Louisville-based writer, Sue Grafton, who's who writes oh, all those. Sue's from Louisville? I didn't know that. Yeah, she writes all those M is for murder, G is for, I don't know. GGTMC, those type of novels. Sue made a lot of paper on that Alphabet Murder series. Those were so pro- like that is one of the biggest sort of series of books I would see yep. as, a, as a boy in the stores. Yeah, she still she you still see her around here every now and then because she does uh, she lives between here and I think the West Coast and stuff. And so she spends time here and stuff. So she's pretty popular around here. She shows up around here for like mystery festivals and all kinds of stuff like that. So I've seen her in bookstores before. I've you know, just even just browsing, she's around. So she's a pretty popular novelist and easy to see, I guess is the way to say it. Easy to see. <laughs> kind of like early Marky Post. Yeah. Anyway, or maybe not like that at all. <laughs> maybe early season Hubley. Yeah, middle season. <laughs> all right, so this film, uh, two rustic families headed by patriarchs Laban Feather and Pop Gutshaw are feuding. At first, it is comical with just the sons of the two families playing tricks on each other. But soon, the Feather Boys decide to kidnap a girl, and we'll just leave it at that because uh, it kind of turns it, it's it's kind of got a, a, a practical joke mixed in there. Now, the one thing that jumps out at you about this film, first of all, is the cast. Oh yeah, because this movie is cast. Let me tell you, you got uh, Rod Steiger, who's never met a scene he couldn't chew. 
right. And in this film, he holds true to that, too. Talk about one of the most serious actors of all time, man, Rod Steiger. He just... He just takes it. He, I mean, I just always felt like this guy was like always like super serious. You know what I mean? He totally was. You know who he always reminded me of more physically than anything? Ben Paul also does the first names. Like him and Rod Taylor, I used to always mix up because they're both kind of brawny mm-hmm, mm-hmm. actors. Yeah. Um, and I think they're both like Rod Steiger is British, no? No, no, no. Rod Steiger. Oh, you're talking about Taylor. Uh, Taylor's from what, like New Zealand or yeah, England? He's, yeah, he's Australian actually. Just, oh, fuck, I, Steiger's actually—he's—he's he's American. He's New York. Is he? City. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay, but I always mix those two up. Like I remember for the longest time, I thought Rod Taylor was in the Tattooed Man. Oh yeah. You know that, uh, but anyway, it was fucking Steiger. But you know, anyway. Yeah, I think he's in what something wicked this way comes maybe. Maybe so. Yeah. 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 But I can't remember. But um, he's done a lot of work, obviously, and he's you know no longer with us, but. Uh, well known, well known actor, uh, method actor to say the least. We got Robert Ryan here, who passed away soon after this. He was working well into the years when he was really sick. He had lung cancer, and he Terrible. worked. Yeah, worked well into those. He was not as old as I thought he was when he passed away. He was only like sixty something, sixty three. Oh, but uh, you know, I guess the years of smoking and everything else, he really looked a lot older than sixty three toward those back end years. The gray hair and stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he had that real, that well-defined face. One thing about Robert Ryan I always remember is he had a great face. I used to. What I didn't like about Robert Ryan, if there's one thing I never liked about him, is that even when he was back in the day, he would wear some serious high-waisted pants. <laughs> yeah, he he could have been like if the movie Her um, was with an older man, it would be him because that movie is all about the high-waisted pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has a he has a very like a like a classic kind of like handsome older man look about him. Yeah. He's, he's got very stoic. And I know our good friend Scott from Maryville Clickers will agree with this. I mean, he has like one of the great like film noir faces. Yeah, Robert totally. Ryan does. The lines in his face. Yeah. And where's, where's the great fedora hat? He wears a great, you know, he's just one of those kind of actors. He'll come up more on the show as we go forward because he's been in a lot of great films, including like The Wild Bunch and Bad, favorite, Day, yeah. Yeah, Bad Day of Black Rock and all kinds of stuff. We got Jeff Bridges in an early role here. We got Scott Wilson in an early role. Very young Scott Wilson. Very young Jeff Bridges should be said as well. Has Jeff Bridges ever been on our show before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Yeah, yeah, he's been on that. I'm sure he's been in some other stuff, too, surely. I would think Scott Wilson was on with the Ninth Configuration. Yes. Um, then we got Ed Lauder, who we know has been on the show he's before. No, he's, he's uh, yeah. <laughs> Just passed away this past year, unfortunately. Okay. Rest in peace, Ed. Yeah. Uh, Susan Hubley, who's been on the show before. With two, I think she was... Uh, yeah, she's in Vice Squad and uh, Hardcore. And... Was she? No, no, yeah, yeah, right. Those are the two, yeah. yeah. And then we got the Busey, we got the Quaid, the Randy Quaid, fucking Paul Coslow bringing it back to uh, Charles Bronson, <laughs> yeah, with that louder fucking Coslow, man. Yeah, Coslow's in here. So he's a. If you don't know the name Paul Coslow, you know the face. Trust me, he was a very popular yeah. character actor in the seventies and eighties. A scumbag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. always played a scumbag. He always played a scumbag. I remember there was an interview with him in Fangoria Magazine a few months back, and he was talking about how he didn't like Charles Bronson because he thought Charles Bronson was an asshole because Bronson was like a guy sitting in my chair. Because Bronson yeah. was like, you know, he's, let's just say Charles Bronson. I've read a biography on him recently. He was not a sociable gentleman. That's what I've always heard, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was a nice guy if you knew him, but if you didn't know him, he just was, he, you know, he had no time for you. So, Did you say Kyle Martin as well? Uh, no, I didn't bring him up. Or is it Keel or is it Kyle? Keel, Kyle. Yeah, and Tim- Timothy Scott's in this as well. Now, Timothy Scott's a very popular character actor uh, from the 60s and 70s. Now, he was in Days of Heaven and the Heat of the Night, Butch Casting and Sunday Night's Kid and stuff. Now, he's another one that if you see his face, you'll know him, but uh, never really got really huge, but a great character actor. Oh, yeah, and at that time frame, he was, yeah, mm-hmm. did a yeah. lot of good stuff. He used to grow a great beard and stuff. 
but yeah, he passed away at only 57. Jesus. Ah, man, the older I get, the scarier that stuff gets. This, uh. Big time. All right, so yeah, this is based on a novel by Sue Grafton and stuff. Now, first of all, I adore the setting of this film. I, I really like when they shoot films in rural America. This is shot, I think, in Knoxville, Tennessee, or outside of Knoxville, oh, Tennessee. I love the setting for this film. I really love it. It's it, and I think when you shoot the South this time of year, mm-hmm. it's so cinematic, man. It really evokes what a filmmaker is trying to go for. Yeah, and, and this really, if if you're from the South. Uh, like I am and stuff, and and Tennessee and Kentucky are very similar. Um, uh, we're not as uh, like you know like Zom. He's over in West Virginia, but that's not as we're not quite as uh, you know we don't have as many mountains. We do in Eastern Kentucky, but not as much because that's where you're heading toward Virginia. But and not really. Some, but this is the Knoxville. This is pretty much what rural Kentucky looks like too. I mean, look, rural Tennessee and rural Kentucky look exactly alike. So I can literally drive. I'm not kidding you. I can literally drive eight miles down the road and it looks just like this. Holy cow. And still to this day. And there's still small mom-and-pop uh, places. To, I mean, I was just in a mom-and-pop gas station the other day buying a bottle, a cold bottle of Big Red. Oh, wow. And that you actually have to open That's at the cool. counter. So it literally still takes place. Uh, you know, did, there's some places that haven't been touched by time yet. Did they have that old-school gas pump with, like, the dial versus the digital? <laughs> no. no they, well, they had the dial. Yeah, not the old old school one with like the glass cylinder at the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we the, the, yeah I can drive like five or six or seven or eight miles down the road, man. And there's no digital. There's no paying at the pump. There's no nothing. That's literally the truth. I can I can promise you. It's crazy. It's crazy uh, <clears throat> that it still exists. But yeah, this film definitely gets that feel down. I can just feel the humidity in this film too, and this yep. the the stink of sweat because this is a sweaty. Oh, this is such a stinky, dirty, greasy, <laughs> grimy film. Yeah, good old uh, what's his name uh, Dump. From uh, yeah, this is a Charles Dump kind of film. <laughs> yeah, it's a Chucky Dump movie. <laughs> you could just feel like when Rod Steiger's like laying in the bed that that bed just stinks. It stinks like old sweat and fucking. <laughs> Everybody just smells because they're all just so sweaty and they're wearing the same clothes every day. I don't think there's anyone who wouldn't smell in this film. The only person that bays in this film is Jeff Bridges. Let's put it that way. Yeah. He's the only person we ever see. Oh no, actually, let me take that back. I think the girl bays too. There's. Chicky Feather, I believe she bait. No, not the ch- is her name Feather? Yeah, she's no, no. It's the Gut Hall, the Gut Shawl uh, girl, Ludi. No, not Ludi. Sister. Her name is Sister E. Fucking who's on first? They all have funky names, man. <laughs> Sister E, played by Joan Goodfellow, who I spent time looking for nude photos of, and Sammy, in good old Sammy fashion, because she ends up in a situation with uh, Scott Wilson and one sure ladder, which is gruesome. Uh, anyway, the but yeah, this is a dirty, sweaty film, man. It is. It really is, and. Uh, yeah, the, some of the strengths, I think, and maybe the, one of the big main strengths in this film is the film does feel very lived in. It absolutely does. It feels very authentic. The lines feel real. That was one of my notes, too. And, mm-hmm. and I think that goes a long way towards um, getting into that world. Because, you know, another thing that um, I thought it then, and I'll say it now, the two films this reminds me of, in terms of setting and, I guess, in terms of kind of the setup, is uh, that that uh, speaking of actually Jeff Bridges? You know the uh, the the film The Last American Hero. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Shot in North Carolina. It feels kind of like that. Mm-hmm. It takes place south, same time frame. And then also, it reminds me a lot of. I mean, it gets kind of bigger because there's more people involved. But just with the the setup with like this kidnapping and stuff, and it's uh, this isolation out in the rural rural area it reminds me of Poor Pretty Eddie. Oh yeah. I'm a yeah. big fan of man. We got to cover that on the show at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's on Blu-ray too. Yeah, I know, man. It's cheap too. It's a cheap blue. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you get you know Jeff Bridges is in here, and it's you know we talk about seventies actors, and Jeff Bridges is kind of a still a popular actor now. We sometimes forget. I think we mentioned this maybe when we did Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, but we sometimes forget that Jeff Bridges from like nineteen seventy or nineteen seventy one until nineteen eighty really had a hell of a run. In uh, movies, some of them he starred in, some of them he was, uh, you know, second fiddle or third or fourth fiddle to. But I mean, his seventies run is pretty amazing. Last Picture Show, um, Bad Company, Fat City, Lolly Madonna X, Last American Hero, Iceman Cometh, Thunderbolt, yeah, Rancho Deluxe, Stay Hungry. Rancho Deluxe, I love. It's another. That's another shiftless film. Yeah, Heaven's Gate. I mean, fuck. I mean, you even talk about uh, King Kong for Christ's sake. Yeah. And Winter Kills. I think Winter Kills is him and Lee Marvin. That's right. Well, it's him, Lee Marvin, fucking Cheryl Mifune. It's got like everyone in that film. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. But I mean, he really had a '70s run. I mean, talk about an actor who was seemed to be in everything in the '70s, yeah. and pretty quality stuff. Now, of course, you know he's still a great actor now. But I mean, it's it's, it's interesting that his career. He, really, when you look back on it, he's had a really pretty consistent quality career. He's had a very, very, very good career. For as many films as he's done, I mean, I think his credits are getting close. Yeah, he's getting close to 100 films. Now, he's made some stuff recently that I have no interest in, like R.I.P.D., and I think that Seventh Son film he's got coming out looks fucking, it's like a 300 or something, like some kind of atrocious 18th century, I don't know. He's got a sword. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to see him hold a sword. <laughs> no. I love him, but... Looks like it's directed by a Russian individual, so that's interesting. Oh, my God. I wonder, who, wonder what he's done. I'm looking to see now if he's anything that we've seen. Oh, he did Mongol. The Rise of oh, Genghis Khan. Oh, that was uh, Timur... Uh, Timur... I'm not even trying to say his Bekmemetov? Yeah. Bekmemetov? But that's not him. This is, this is another guy named Sergei, which I guess is kind of a... Uh, a stereotypical Russian name. Sixteen John. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, interesting. Anyway, uh, but he has had a hell of a career. I mean, when you look back on it now, let me get into some of the performances. Now, Gary Busey's in the film. Uh, he's not in the film a lot, but man, is he young! But uh, you can see some of that Busey craziness, that Busey energy in the performance. There's a great scene where he's running, whoa, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> doing his running and screaming, whoa. And uh, Randy Quaid's got a very small performance in the film, but it's a touching little performance. Yeah, I was going to say, he really um, you get, gets a lot of emotional mileage out of his film. Because I think one of the things this film does really well is it's isolation. It's really about the isolation and kind of desolation and the desperate kind of feel that um, happens in this film. And, and it is for a lot of these characters and how they... they how each of them, I think, wrestles with and is crushed by how isolated they are and sort of the patriarchal structure of their families. And Quaid, you can tell, is kind of like the sensitive soul, and like the baby of his family. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. just crushed under the weight of kind of isolation and, and this kind of very masculine, uh, kind of rough and tumble family that he's in. Right. In the country, we used to always, or uh, when I was growing up, it's not really the uh, quote-unquote uh, politically correct thing to say now, but in the country, when somebody's like Randy Quaid, they always say he's a little touched. Uh, that was the way they say it, and, you know, maybe touched by God or, or whatever, but that's what they typically say. And, and that's the kind of character. I mean, you gotta, I don't know if he's, if there's like mental retardation there, but I think it's more like a very more shell-shocked emotion. Yeah, right? maybe just a very sensitive soul. Yeah, uh, right. And obviously if you see some of the stuff that happens in his family, you can see where this abuse would, I mean, there's, there's some serious abuse in this family, in the, in the feather family. Big time. And it's some pretty scary stuff. And, of course, there's one thing we can't get into because it's a major plot point of the film. Um, but, I mean, we see that the Feather family, as opposed to the Gutshaws, 
at first you think the feather family is kind of like this and, and let me set this up a little bit what we have here is you got the feather family and the gutshaw family and they between them you may have acreage maybe five ten fifteen twenty acres that's right in the middle of nowhere so the film isn't based in its own world and it's you know middle of the country they take the lawn to their own <laughs> hands that kind of stuff they do go to town at one point to pick up the quote-unquote lolly madonna that's part of a joke, but her name's not really Lonnie Maldonado. That's, uh, well, I mean, the film she's called that, but she actually says her real name, too. But Season Hubley, kind of passing through, we get a real good taste of uh, what Scott Wilson and Ed Lauder's characters are all about right then and there. Mm-hmm. But even then, even after that scene, and there's basically a kidnapping there, even yeah. even with that, I still didn't think that the Ed Lauder and Scott Wilson character were necessarily bad people yet. No. It's strange, because I thought they were just kind of in on a joke. That's right. And I thought they were, you know, for lack of a better term, dumb rednecks. That's right. But I didn't think that they were, um, you know, what they turned out to be. And uh, that's one of the, I think, if there's one strength of this film I really like is that I think in the beginning you're kind of, you're kind of with the Feather family a little bit because you feel like the Gutshaws are kind of picking on the Feathers. You feel like, yeah, they're more of a, not putting on airs, but there's certainly more of an elitist feel to them. But then as the film goes on, you kind of start to feel that maybe there's some justification for it. Yeah, yeah. And you really start to notice that the fe- there's something wrong with the feathers. Big time. It's big rotten time. to the core in yeah. some ways. And it comes from the top down, right? Yes, yes, it does. It always does, as we all know. And and that's uh, that's the interesting thing about this film. If there's a real strength to this movie, it's that through line that kind of sucks you in one way. And then as things develop, you're like, holy fuck, man, what is going on? This is getting out of control. And it's unchecked, too, because um, I think when they go to town, correct me if I'm wrong, though, we don't see anyone in this film other than the two families. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, yeah. Other, other than season. Other than that season, and she talks to a bus driver at one point. That's right. But other than that, that's it. So you get this thing where these like their um, behavior can go unchecked because there's no filter there. There's no one else like, whoa, 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 slow down. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So if the father acts one way, that trickles right on down through the whole family. It's it's like that thing we you know with Bug with um, with Ashley Judd and uh, and Michael Shannon. They lock themselves in that room and they go crazy, and it becomes infectious. Just like the behavior and and the way the father is becomes infectious to the kids because no one else is there to be the voice of reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it is interesting the way it develops. It really is. I mean, I can't get into too much detail about the Feather family, but it does develop quite heavily. And you do feel this presence of Rod Steiger, though. I mean, he he, he shows up early in this kind of like interrogation scene of quote-unquote Lolly Madonna. And um, he's very – you can tell he's the, he's, the, he's the patriarch. He's the boss. And this is this is old school country living. I mean, the man is the man of the house, and the woman cooks, and the women cook should be said because if there's a female in the house, a sister, she cooks too and does laundry. And not that these guys ever put clean clothes on, but no. <laughs> uh, especially the louder and Scott Wilson character, they're filthy. But uh, they but uh, Jeff Bridges seems to be an interesting character because it's almost like he wants to get out of this life. Yep. But he's dedicated to his family. It's like the Randall Pink Floyd of this. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, his character. And I wanted more. Of the, I wanted more of that. I guess if I should say anything, I wanted more of that, more of his kind of balanced uh, head type of character. And it, it should be said the, uh, the one of the Gutshaws. I can't remember which one. Well, Robert Ryan. I mean, his motivations are. I, I won't say pure, but they are understandable. They're more reasonable, logical, yeah. grounded, <laughs> fucking reality for most humans. Because what happens is. 
something pretty awful. I mean, I guess we should just say there's a rape. Yeah. And because it's not a it's not a plot point that really a spoiler, but there's a rape and it involves the uh, sister E character and it's pretty nasty. It's pretty awful. And it should say it should be said it also it comes it comes after a, a nice lead up for Ed Lauder does an Elvis impersonation, which is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and that's a really weird moment. The the crowd stuff that I love it, though. Yeah, it's really it, it, it stands out in the film. We should say what what Sammy means by crowd is there's a moment when Ed Lauder, it's like they don't have mirrors in the house. And there's a moment where Ed Lauder's character sees a mirror. He sees his hawk tattoo. Yeah. And because uh, his name's Hawk. And he, he gets up and he, he hears like this crowd in his voice saying, like, ladies and gentlemen, for one night only, you, you know, you know him, you love him. It's, you know, Hawk Hudson. Actually, Hawk Hudson. Uh, <laughs> hawk, fe- uh, hawk Feather, right? Yeah, Hawk Feather, yeah. Feather, yeah. I know he has this little concert in his head, and he's kind of performing and stuff. And it is interesting as well that it's a Laban Laban Feather. I guess I think Jeff Bridges' character is the oldest brother. I'm, I'm not positive on that, but it seems like Zach Feather might be. But everybody else has kind of got like a bird-like name, like Chicky Feather, Skylar Feather, Hawk Feather, Finch Feather. But Zach is not a bird name that I'm aware of. So very interesting. And neither is Laban. Laban's interesting. I actually know a guy named Laban. It's very, I think of Labia when I hear that. It's a very country name, Laban. But uh, yeah, so there's a great, great moment with that, and Ed Lauder really, really. If if you're used to seeing Ed Lauder in like small performances and and things like that, they really give him some moments in this film. They give him uh, some emotional moments because he's really tight with his brother Thrush, who's the other another named after a bird. Right. Yeah. And I, when I hear Thrush, of course, being a parent, I think of that brutal condition that kids get where they get thrush in their oh mouth. yeah 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 yeah. my son had that yeah brutal. that was a pretty the little thrush yeah man. uh but uh yeah so he's really tight with his brother scott wilson like ed louder and scott wilson are like you know emotionally tied to each other mm-hmm. so they must be close in age or something it's not really said what the kind of order is but there's some stuff with involving a wife for zach and it seems like zach's character was moving in a different direction and then some yep. stuff happens that uh you know, we don't really need to get into uh, because I don't want to give the story away for those who are interested in seeing this film. And I do think this film is interesting, and I think people need to see it. It should be out on DVD. That's the first thing. It oh, should... what a crime. It's like I, you'd think even like in this day and age, MGM would put it out through their mail order service. Somebody. Somebody would. Their, their, their um, VOD service or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But it's not, it's not out, unfortunately. And it's really one of these kind of American films that's kind of gotten lost uh, in the shuffle. And I don't know why it's not out. It's not like it has a bunch of uh, ties to... Music, maybe it is tied up in some legal stuff somewhere, but uh, it really does need to kind of get out there and be put, and definitely needs to be remastered as well because it's uh, it's yeah, it's pretty beat up. Yeah, it's pretty it's like a made up. for TV uh, mm-hmm. run that we have here. Yep, yep. But uh, I, I do like how this the story develops. But I will say this, and we talked about this a little bit off the air. Something about this film feels a little off, and I don't know if if Jeff feels this way. He picked this film. But I don't know if he feels this way or not. He might let us know after this comes out. Um, but there's something about the editing and the pacing of this film that just feels off a little bit. There's a lot of good moments in this film, a lot of good acting moments. Everybody gets a moment. There's a great moment where Gary Busey's getting his hair practiced on by his sister because uh, he has that long, flowing Gary Busey kind of dirty blonde hair. Uh, Paul Coswell's got some great moments at the dinner table where he's trying to yeah. watch TV. What a, what a pair of brothers. I wish we had had more Coslow and Busey shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, because they almost look like brothers a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Louder's got great moments. Scott Wilson's got great moments. Everybody in this film has got a great moment. Uh, even the even the wives, the wives have a great moment. Especially, uh, 
I don't know if it's Chicky Feather. I think that's her name. Or I can't remember who the, what the wife's name is, but Rod Steiger's wife. She's got a great moment. She too. has an absolutely amazing moment. There's a great scene in here with Steiger and his wife at the table after some stuff goes down that I can't get into because it's a major spoiler in this film. But it is one of the those great heartbreaking and real moments that, you know, it's, 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 it's a great scene. It's just a great scene. So definitely, if anything, see the film for that scene. It's really great. But there's a lot of great scenes in the film. But something about the story and the pacing feels off. And there were moments when I was just like, man, nothing is happening, even though I know stuff is. And I just felt like, you know. Meanders. Yeah. Kind of- it's kind rudderless of a little bit at times. Yeah, it just sets there, and it's not like a Terrence Malick setting there or a Chimino or something like that, where it's st- where it's kind of like got some some beauty going and stuff like that. There are some beautiful shots in the film, but it just feels like it's kind of lost its way a couple of times in the movie. So I should definitely say that, but it definitely has some moments, no doubt about it. Um, I got to feel like John Hillcoat may have saw this film. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? Kind of that, that greasy, rural kind of uh, down and dirty. Well, it felt like Lawless a little bit. Yep. There was moments that felt like Lawless. And uh, i got to believe that Hillcoat may have seen this at some point. And it, it's nothing like Lawless, it should be said as well. But it does have but there that, is a moonshot, some bootlegging going yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, and there's a feel to it. There's this kind of, you know, maybe it's the lawlessness of this, of this culture, but it does have that kind of feel of these brothers and this kind of chaos and stuff. Um, <clears throat> now, if there's one thing, if there's one actress, of course, I don't like in the film. You know, I don't really care for Susan Hubley. We've said this before. I, I like her fine, but she I just, like her more than you do. Yeah, I, she just never really does anything for me. I don't and, think she's pretty because I'm not a fan of short hair. How do you feel about short hair on women? Well, it just depends on the woman. Some it women, does, but I would say far more often than not, for me, it does not work. Well, yeah, for me, more often than not, it does not. Unless you're Grace Jones, and then for me, it works. Or Tilda <laughs> yeah. Swinton, or Tilda Swinton, maybe. Yeah, but no, I, but I agree with you. I'm not a huge fan of short hair on women. It's nothing against that. I think it can look fine. Some chicks rock it good. Yeah, yeah, some do. But I just never have been a fan of Hubley in general. Uh, I think she's an okay actress, and she's pretty good in this film. She, she's like, good in the film. Yeah. She certainly. You know, I, I always find I, I I kind of finally um, nailed who I feel like she was going through for with that hair and her kind of her build. Mm-hmm. Was like um, what's her name? A little bit like Mia Farrow, like that pixie hair, and also what's her name from Breathless? Jane, not Jane Wyman. Um, oh, <sighs> what's her name? Uh, Jean Seberg. Oh, there you go, Jean Seberg. I yes. kind of feel like she was going for that vibe. And you know, I, I, we should say we should definitely <laughs> clear this up and make sure everybody understands. We don't. You know, it's not that women with short hair are atrocious because, like we said, no. there are women out there with gorgeous hair. It's just. Gorgeous short hair, it should be said. Like I said, I mean, I really, I mean, I joke around about the the Grace Jones thing, but I do, I, for some strange reason, I do find her sexy. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, the Tilda Swinton thing. You know, I love Tilda Swinton, uh, and yeah. she has her short hair more often than not. But it's just, you know, if I had my druthers, obviously, I would like, I like the long flowing hair. My wife has that. That's just what I like. So that is my my thing. My one of my weaknesses is the lovely long hair, especially when you know it's just been washed or something. Oh, I have a weakness, man. I got a weakness. I gotta say, I gotta, yeah, I know you love that just washed hair. Oh yeah, I do. It's a weakness, especially when it's on Zom, baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I posted a great picture of Zom. I know. I no, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. And uh, not only that, but uh, I also like it when it's a freshly washed mustache. Oh yeah, especially one that has a little curl on the tips. Daddy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's okay in this film. She's better in this film than I liked her in um, 
Um, which was it? I liked her in Vice Squad. Okay, of course. I think in Hardcore, she's kind of really in the background. She's barely in that. She was in Steel Justice too, but she was uncredited. So she has been on our show quite a bit. So yeah, it's interesting. Former ex of uh, Kurt Russell. That's right, man. Yeah. And that Goldie came in. She has a little great performance in Escape from New York when Kurt Russell goes into that uh, dilapidated like restaurant yes. or whatever, and she has Absolutely. a great moment in that. So. And he's hiding out behind, I think, behind the uh, the diner thing. The- yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah, like yeah. an old restaurant or something like that. When, he, when the uh, crazies come out of the ground and stuff, one of my great great cinematic memories, like meow, noise and all that stuff. and yeah. People coming out of manhole covers, which still gives me shivers to this day because every time I see a manhole cover, I'm like, what if somebody's under there? I know, man. What if it's Chud? <laughs> yeah. What if it is a Chud? <laughs> what if it's a Cholo? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's all my notes. I mean, uh, I, I think this film is definitely worth seeing, though, because, I mean, the cast alone, uh, I think if there's I think if there's one drawback, I think it's that the film is just not well-directed. Uh, I Personally, I think it's fine. I, I think it's well-directed but not well-edited. Yeah. I don't think it – for me, I think it's a little bit of both. I don't uh, – because I think – the vanishing point is well directed. Oh so. yeah, what a, it's a classic. I mean, it's 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 one of the most important and best midnight films ever yeah. made. Yeah, and I think it's I think it is well edited and well directed and and well paced and stuff. So, you know, that was right before this, I believe. So that's where the film feels kind of feels like it kind of slacks for me. But like I have the tiger and stuff. You know, that's another film that I think is well done. As far yeah. as pacing and stuff, so th- this Pretty one's this one's strange the way it works out. He did Man in the Wilderness in between uh, this and and Lolly Madonna, but I've never seen the Man Who Loved Cat Dancing. Uh, it's a Burt Reynolds film. I just I have never seen a great title. So I'm looking forward to checking that out at some point. Zom's a fan of that uh, of of the film. I don't know if he's a fan a fan of cat dancing, whatever <laughs> that may be. But <laughs> I think I, I think I got a hunch. Yeah. All right, that's all my notes. Cool. Um, yeah, so Lolly Madonna, I had seen this before. I liked it. The, the two films I always associate Shiftless and Mr. Shiftless Jeff with are Rancho Deluxe, which I think is an amazing film, and uh-huh. it's another kind of um, diamond in the rough that, respectfully to this film, I think is far superior. It's got my favorite, well, it's got my favorite other side of the coin performance from Joe Spinell. His performance is so tender and heartbreaking in Rancho Deluxe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's got not much screen time, maybe 10 minutes, but it's he fucking just owns in it. Um, but these two films, Ollie Madonna and Rancho Deluxe, are the two that I associate with Shiftless because I know he's a big fan of them. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'd, I'd seen it after he was kind of, he was talking about it a lot, you know, in the early days, back in like the message board days and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you had already kind of talked about some of the stuff, what it feeling lived in and authentic and stuff. And, and those are the big things I like about it, too, and how it does really give you that sense of isolation and thing, and whether it's, um, well, in any which way that people are going to police, these two families are going to police themselves as they see fit. Right. Without any third party to, to interfere. Um, Lauder does wear the sleeveless Canadian tux in this, as well as cross-dressing. <laughs> yeah, there's some great still shots you posted on the group and stuff, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy fucking Ed! I miss him. What a what a great character actor, man. I yeah, wish well, he had. I wish he had a chance to work with like um, like the Coens or you know one of these guys that really really knew and loved character actors and could, or even Tarantino or someone like that. Just Lauder, Lauder deserved more love than than he got from just our circles. He was a great actor. Yeah, he was a uh, great character actor. One of the one of the greatest. Yeah, easily he was. Did two hundred and four credits. So I mean, he was. The definition of a character actor. Yeah, he sure was. Um, 
already talked about yeah, poor pretty Eddie and how this is a greasy film. Yeah, you you covered a fair amount of stuff um, with this. One of the things I'm really taken by is that kind of the when you talk about that sort of unchecked situation, just the kind of the cruelty, the the kind of um, nonchalant cruelty um, of the boys, like. Uh, even even Jeff Bridges, who in some ways is certainly, while well, in a lot of ways, is the most sympathetic of the of the characters. He seems to sort of be like, you know, the one that we as the audience would get behind in a lot of ways. Even he, in a moment that doesn't seem as much mired in cruelty as it is, just it's become common practice for the the boys because it's very much a male and a patriarchal society here, and the women are very much under the thumbs. The moment when season Hubley's drinking from like a like a trough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He fucking like he f- pushes her head under, yeah. And maybe he's being playful, but that's the thing when you're around all guys, you you have to kind of balance. We we all act differently around when we're just around guys versus when we're around women. Oh yeah, yeah. Testosterone's yeah. flowing. It's different. Yeah, dicks are and, coming and, out. Well, it's, it's it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty common with our group especially. But yeah. uh, no, I mean, it's the same thing with women. I mean, women all act different when they're all women. I mean, that's you know, right. They get know. they get they let their hair down. You know, like like the librarian. Yeah. And they, they cut loose and should be you know. said that uh, Louder is you know he's still got films coming out because he made so many movies. It's amazing that he's still got uh, I think four or five films coming out. One of them is the Town That Dreaded Sundown remake. Oh which, wow, which I can't wait he's to like see. The, he's like the Tupac Shakur of acting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's he's still got stuff coming out. I saw him in Trouble with the Curve, the Clint Eastwood movie. Oh yeah, he was, was in he a that. scout or something. Yeah, he was a scout with Eastwood. And there's some great scenes between him and Eastwood and stuff. Oh, man, that, that oh, movie's not great, but uh, you know, yeah, anything with Clint Eastwood, I'm going to watch. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the cruelty of the was yeah. But th- th- when you, when we or women are around the opposite sex, we tend to act a little differently. But with the boys, just kind of that passive cruelty. And I think when you get a character like Randy Quaid's, who's who is kind of caught in the crossfire of all this testosterone, uh, he he kind of gets crushed under the weight of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we see that in, in the film. And, Agreed. Um, yeah, it's a strange performance because he's kind of walking around and stuff. But there's a great—I think isn't there a great scene with him and Jeff Bridges where Jeff's kind of explaining to him, yeah, the kind of delicate nature of things and trying to kind of take care of him and stuff. So you do feel the big brotherness of the Zach character. Yeah, because he's no, damaged. Absolutely. He's damaged as well. There's something that happens in Zach's past as well. That's, yeah, that's right. It's caused that's some right. damage, and again, it involves the father. Laban is really a a very dangerous and scary man. Motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, he's a total motherfucker, man. He is a dirty, greasy motherfucker. Stop. Yeah, right. Sorry. He likes Tenebrae. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he likes Harry Macho bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, both films this week feature men like men that maybe shouldn't arguably have their shirts off. <laughs> Louder and the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Standing. Um, the men really are like animals in this film in a lot of ways. Yeah, they are. They are. Especially the Scott Wilson and uh, Louder yeah. characters. But even that so much, the uh, the Busey character, which there's a great moment with Busey uh, toward the end of the film. Again, I can't – there's a lot I cannot give away about this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, there is. And there's that terrible moment when – you talked about that rape that happens and it's really a turning point for things mm-hmm. to going to get turned up significantly in the film and the tensions yeah. really rise but yeah. it's that horrible moment where the person that's getting raped it's already bad enough but the way she like utters like with horror oh not him not him it's like oh man yep. it's just it's just so awful and gross um i get the sense with uh 
with Robert Ryan, as I do with a lot of his ones, because he's very stoic. And and you get it too, I think, with um, I guess with the other side of the coin for the Robert Ryan character. In some ways, I feel like the his spiritual kind of uh, soulmate across the pond is is Jeff Bridges' character. You because you're going to get this sense of um a far off regret and this kind of frozen feel like they're kind of inert. They're forced into this sort of inertia right. because of their situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and also and I, sh- I should say in, in, in one of the groups we're both that? in and one of the groups we're both in, I have to agree with you. That is some serious Oscar buzz. It is Oscar buzz. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, talk about going for that statue, man, man, that's really going for it. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, <laughs> even even uh, Christopher Maloney would go for that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh. A little inside baseball there. Literally and figuratively. Um, but uh, I think I love how it seems like a lot of the boys will sit around and kind of talk about their dreams and what they wanted to do and what they wish they could do. And um, I kind of like that there's this, this lamentation of what could be but will never be because of their setup, uh-huh. you know, where they are in their situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, Again, that, that's, know, that's the interesting thing about the Jeff Bridges character. It feels like he had a chance to get away from this right. chaos. And because of what happens, he decides to stay. And uh, and he's even more acutely aware of, of like the hopelessness of his situation. Yeah. And of the Laban situation. Like, I think he yeah. knows what's going to, well, I don't think he knows what ends up going down, but I think he knows I mean, you know, this film was based on a kidnap, so I think we know that, you know... It, things don't labor. usually end too well. Yeah, things don't, those don't usually end well at all, so... No. Um, just even that line, it's a bit funny, but it's an exchange between Hubley and Bridges, but it also kind of speaks to... Oh, man. Got to quit looking at that hardware. It it, it speaks to <laughs> the film and I think the character state of mind when Hubley and Bridges are kind of comparing, like like shitty hard luck stories. And he says, well, how would you like to have boots that don't, that, that, or I think he says, I either I'd like to, or how do you like to have boots that smell like someone else's feet? Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's certainly evocative and, you know, it's like the hand me down and, you know, living in someone else's shoes, which I think is a good metaphor for the film. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And I've always thought that Scott Glenn reminds me of Andy Kaufman. Uh, Scott Glenn? Did I say Scott Glenn? Yeah, you did. I meant to say. Uh, Is he in this movie too? Scott fucking Scott Glenn. Scott Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put Ed Lauder's hair on Scott Wilson and it looked like Andy Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I can't. I always, and I always, Scott Glenn. Yeah. Uh, fuck. There we go. Scott Wilson. Um, and. Uh, yeah, my notes the same. I think the film gets a bit rudderless, a little bit near the back end, but I think there's a lot of good moments in between that have kind of held me over. But I really love the the bookend um, photos with the credits because I think it, I think it really punctuates that notion of um, of having you know being lived in, feeling real, and also that kind of bittersweet feeling of these people that live these lives and have these broken dreams and have these little moments that they hang on to because they don't really have much else to hang on to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and it has like the, the writing on the pictures, like. Uh, uh, you know, it would say like, uh, you know, uh, Zach and Laban fishing 1969 or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And their only contact with the outside world is television, you know. Yeah, that's right. So that's very interesting. That's right. So, yeah, that's all my notes. Go ahead. All right. So this is a, one of those films that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Like I said, it, 
and my score is going to, sh- you know, my score is legit. I do believe it, but I think it's one that I like more. It's like a great film to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still think I gave it a pretty fair rating, so I'm going to get into that. My make or break. I really like the Stagger wife scene. There's a lot of great scenes in this, though. There's a great scene between Bridges and Hubley. There's great scenes between uh, Coslow and Busey. Uh, great scenes between Robert Ryan and everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> great scenes with uh, Steiger and everybody. Uh, this is great scenes all up and down. Great scenes with Louder and Wilson. I mean, so with all those great scenes, you think, you know, you got what a lost classic, a lost great film. I think it, it's a very, very good film. I don't think it's a great film. I think uh-huh. it's a very good film, though, and I think it is definitely a lost film in some ways because it's kind of been forgotten, no doubt about that. What's uh, with Scott Wilson and lost films between uh, this and, and Ninth Configuration? Like, he's in these films with amazing cast that just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, well, Scott Wilson's one of those kind of actors. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a quality actor, quality character actor. He's always good, even in junk. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, you know, we got to remember he made In Cold Blood in 1967 with yeah. him and Blake, and in the heat of the night, the same year, man. Yeah, and I think that he ended up getting labeled. I think he's one of these actors who really got stuck with that kind of bad guy uh, that really hung on him. He was in a movie I did with uh, Mondo Justin called The Grissom Gang, which is also really good too. Oh yeah, and he's in the New Centurions. He had a great run there. Uh, through the right stuff, which I've actually never seen. I know mm-hmm. people go bananas for it. But and he's great. A- he's great in modern stuff, too, even in films that you wouldn't think would have great performances in them. But, like, I remember him in G.I. Jane. He's great in G.I. Jane, which is nice not a great seen. film, but it, it's, a, it's a good film with him and Vigo and Demi Moore. And, and uh, it's a political film, and it is what it is. But he's really, really great in the film. And I've seen him on Walking Dead. He's great on that. He's great in Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. He's great in that. He's just a... a Oh, was he the mentor in Leslie Vernon? I can't remember who he was. Yeah, yeah, he was, was the mentor. He was the oh, mentor. Oh man, yeah, he was good in that. Yeah, I tell you, a performance of his that's really overlooked. It's a kids film. It's a movie about dog, but uh, it's a film called um, uh, Shallow, and uh, he is outstanding in that film. Just great in that film. Just really great. So, um, uh, but it's not you know it's not like a heroic performance. Steiger's in that film too as well. It should be said. But it's interesting. Uh, his career is very interesting. But I think, like Robert Blake, you got another actor in the '70s and on in. And of course, Robert Blake's had a lot of problems outside of cinema. But these guys, they were in a seminal work. If you've seen In Cold Blood, it's a very seminal movie, oh, yeah. and very well known. And I think sometimes when actors have that performance in their catalog, that's what they end up stuck with. Sometimes I do believe that. So. You know, I think Hauser is that way, Wingshauser, and some other actors as well. So, so I think he got a little bit of a, a shaft in some ways. But he is a great character actor. He's got these great small lips, and uh, he's so good in everything he's in, Wilson. So I agree with you on that. Man, totally. Uh, my MVT for this film, this is a tough one, man. Uh, but I, gotta, I can't pick one. i got to go with the whole cast. I know, I know we like to do one thing, but this is a thing. It's the yeah. whole cast. Uh, I wanted to go with Louder because it really is a great performance from him. But there's so many great performances in the film, it's hard to pick one. So Louder's does stand out. But there is a lot of great performances in this film from Robert Ryan, Steiger, Bridges. Um, almost everybody's good in this film. My um, score for the film, and this strictly is because of the pacing and the way it kind of felt like it was lapsing sometimes for me. But it's an 8 out of 10. I still think this is a very, nice. very good film. I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I think it's a well well done film so there you go very nice 
Um, I think the very fair score. My make or break is the Quaid scene when you just see how emotionally crushed he is, and we see that oh, yeah. there are a lot of victims in this. And I think you know you could you could kind of look deeper and think about how some of the boys it's become sink or swim, and they've had to roughen up and toughen up, or they would get crushed under the weight of things. But Quaid's not able to do that. He doesn't have that makeup. Yeah. That's the scene that I found most heartbreaking for me. Uh, my MVT, man, I was going to go with that cast because it is sterling. It's the kind of actors that we love. Um, but I decided to go with the setting because I think the setting, I just I really fell in love with it. And I think it lends itself well to um, the mentality of the cast. It lends itself to logic in terms of the way the film plays out and the actions of the characters. Um and yeah, I, just, I think it's, it's it's very poetic and it works for me. Uh, my score for the film uh, is a seven point seven five, so it's just right below you, man. It's I think your score is very fair. Um, you know, and again, I had seen this you know maybe three four years ago, quite liked it, watched it again, and you know, despite it kind of meandering at spots and me being very tired and sick when I watched it, um, it still held my interest again because there's so many nice moments. And like you said, I think sometimes whether it's editing or directing, there's something that keeps us from being a great film, but it is a very good film, and, it, and it's sadly a lost film. So hopefully some people will get out there and, and look for it. And when you do, do the shiftless and Shasta doubling, get Rancho, Rancho Deluxe, which is uh, really a fucking amazing film that I'd love to review with you at some point. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. <clears throat> a lot of those 70s Jeff Bridges films. And that sure was actually we'll Jeff Bridges and, uh, what's his name, Sam Waterston. Yeah, Sam Waterston, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We should do that sometime soon. All right. Yeah. So that is our big show this week. I want to give a shout-out to a couple of new podcasts. we got a couple of new ones on the block. Yes. Uh, the Cult of Muscle with good friend uh, Jake McCunny, McCunny Juice. He's out there. and uh, <laughs> Jake McFart, huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's not afraid to share. Uh, no. <laughs> needs to tighten that puppy up a little bit. Um, <laughs> a little bit too much. <sighs> <laughs> oh, man. And uh, CDR. Two good friends of the show. They started a new show, The Cult of Muscle, so definitely check that out. And our good friend Tyler uh, started a show as well, The Macho Bullshit Podcast, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, so love the title. So uh, we hope to be on that at some point in time. We're always stretched thin, so no time soon, but uh, definitely it's in our wheelhouse. So Stretched thin, talking about that Oscar buzz again. <laughs> we should say, though, both of these shows very near and dear to our heart, not only because they're friends of the show, but also because they do cover cinema that, we do adore. <laughs> so it's a golden age for people that love the kind of films we love in terms of podcasts because these are smart, passionate, um, approachable people doing great shows. Yes, agreed. So yeah, I wanted to get that out there, uh, and that's all we got. Next week uh, is it diabolic time yet? Have you got yours yet? No, I haven't gotten mine yet. So or have I? So, so I guess I'm, if we got them, if, well, hang if on. the mailman, I'm not sure if delivers. it is anyway. I think we might have one more week. What are we doing next? Oh, I guess we can do the the tots. I guess we can do that. Yeah, it's you know what time it is. It's tot time. <laughs> I'm looking to see right now when's the last time. Okay, so we had one, two. Actually, yeah, we got another week before we do. So we got another week. Okay. Actually, so we got tots? another two weeks because another week. Uh, yeah, we got uh, after another week we got the top thirty show. So because we got next next week is another show we program. Uh, the week after that, I think is the top thirty show, and then we'll have to do diabolic. So. Cool. That's the way it goes. So, yeah, we'll figure out what we'll do. We'll see which ones. Two are. the Toys for Tots shows, as it were. Yeah, the Toys for Tots. I won't call them that when we put them out, but uh, <laughs> we'll just call them regular shows. But yeah, but yeah we'll uh, we'll do a couple of those. I'll, we'll announce on the group what we're doing. So yeah, for sure. 
I know one we both have for sure. So that's the one I have in my hand as we speak. Yeah, so we might do that one and then another one. So we'll we'll get we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, so that's the big show, man. I'm gonna get off here and have a uh, banana bread bagel that I've been wanting to eat oh, all morning. That sounds amazing. They are so delicious. Uh, dude, that's why I love the states. Come bring the thunder when it comes to the food, man. Yeah, banana bread bagel, brah, and a uh, little little cream cheese on that puppy, and another nice uh, cup of coffee. It's going to be a nice morning. Going to ease into the morning this morning. <laughs> that's outstanding, dude. Yep. So that is what I am having, and that is what I'm doing. So until next week, we'll say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207 And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 